Two Daydream Believers podcast. I am your host, Spacer Fin 18. And today we have a uh, special wrap up episode. Well, we are wrapping up the music portion of it. So we're going to talk about the music of season three. And I have some really great guests here with me today. Hi, I am Kitty, Slayer Kitty on Tumblr. Hi, I'm Bethany or B. I am not that B on Tumblr. Uh, I'm Maria, and I'm TapLove2015, or my Hold On to Glee Tumblr. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Um, So, yeah, we're talking about Season 3 music. And, yeah, the first thing, let's let's talk a little bit about the music in Season 3 versus Seasons 1 and 2. And something that stands out to me is that in Season 1, we talked a lot about how a lot of it was comedic or it was just used for little story beats and they didn't really start getting into the like full featured songs until the end of season one. And in season two, it felt like it was more character driven. We had a lot of solos. We had a lot of, you know, when the warblers came on the scene, it became a lot of, you know, uh, showcasing that. But season three still feels differently. And uh, do you guys have any thoughts on on that kind of stuff? Um, well, actually, I think, uh, like, season three, they had a lot more, like, the songs related a lot more to the storylines. And, like, there was a lot less, like, people just singing. And, like, it was actually in the story. And, like, they were singing in the hallway or, in a, like, at home or something. I think that we had a lot more of... While the songs chosen do tend to more and more support the plot, I think we had a lot more of, especially as the season went on, singing just because they had a song quoted to fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. It was more, it was more singing for the the purpose of singing than actually moving a whole lot of the plot forward. As unfortunately, you know, as they went through season one and we talked about in previous podcasts, they like figured out where, you know, the music is where a lot of the money is and Mm -hmm. iTunes sales, unfortunately, really drove a lot of the direction of the music on the show. Um, I mean, when the show first started, so 
obviously it's something Ryan Murphy said, but so take it with what you will. But I remember them saying, you know, Glee is not going to be a show where people just randomly burst into song for no reason. It's <laughs> you know, it's going to serve the plot. There is actual episodes in early season one that only have like one or two oh, yeah, right. purchase, okay, purchasable songs in them. And then here we are at season three, and every episode has a minimum of five songs. Minimum. And usually a maximum of eight, although I think original song technically have like 11. Yeah, but original song and was special. doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs> That's because they did it well. Um, yeah. They did it well, but- didn't they? Yeah, that's one of the few times where I feel like the actual number of songs serve the, a purpose versus later episodes yeah. where mm-hmm. you have seven musical numbers in an episode or or what have you, and you're just shoving them in there, plot be damned. I, I think that season three really start. I mean, they definitely did it in season two a little bit, but I wonder... Season three is kind of where they started writing plot to fit the songs more so. I mean, mm-hmm. that happened yeah. in season one and two. I'm not saying it didn't, but I'm saying in season three, um, I guess it's a good time to bring up the fact that we had a ton of tribute episodes in season three. Yeah. And a lot of the plot lines were, were forced to go around all of these different tribute episodes. Yeah. The other thing kind of relating to that um, is the fact that the, the the season breaks up into three really nice, easy parts. The first eight, um, which goes through sectionals, the next seven-ish that goes through regionals, and then the final batch, which goes through nationals in the end of the season. And um, the first eight actually are a different feel. They actually have a lot of Broadway. Um, we have the whole West Side mm-hmm. Story stuff. We have all yeah. of the stuff with Rachel versus Mercedes, Cart and Plane, get a, a couple of um, uh, Broadway songs. I mean, the first the first episode has a bunch of Broadway stuff in it. Um, there's a lot of Broadway-focused things. And then Fox, actually, I wish I had a source for this. Fox came in. The network said, uh, this isn't really making us money. Uh, we want hits. We want pop. Mm -hmm. So they Mm -hmm. go back. That's why we have, I mean, I'm pretty sure they were always going to do Michael Jackson tribute episode, but that's why we have all of this pop music. Well, that's why we have last Friday night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Aside from the fact that um, it's Katy Perry, which I'm sure, you know, and then they have Blaine singing it, but uh I don't know if anybody remembers, but both Darren and Kevin were in the last Friday night music video. Yeah. <clears throat> so I remember when we found out that it, it was literally what, like three months after the video came out that they decided that they were going to do this probably to play off of. She was really popular right then. Well, see, and I wonder, that is episode four that that song is in. And I'm wondering yeah. if some of the popular songs in the first eight episodes, if they sold way better than the Broadway, if that's one of the reasons why Fox was like, nope, change this. Right. That's possible, too. Well, because I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking at the song list. And so after... The first time, which is episode five, episode six's list, 
is all pop. Seven's list is all pop. Yeah. Yeah. Eight's list. I think it was after the after first. Five. Yeah, I think it was after the first time that they said, "Well, and that's." I mean, not so. I, I don't want to get too much into story arcs because that's for another podcast. But um, I think around that time is when the show they the network stepped in because they had the whole you know gay virginity laws episode and all of this Broadway, and they're like, you know what? They don't. The, the network was like, we don't want this show to be that, um, and she made right. them change it, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But, yeah, you can I mean, definitely tell that there's a. Oh, I was just gonna say there is a little bit of a tonal shift, not just in the plots, but also I think in the music choices right after that. Yeah, that's basically what I was gonna say. I would argue that the entire season kind of took a turn after the first time, yeah. and and mash off to a degree. Yeah, that seems to be like the transitioning episode of where they sort of started drifting into the more poppy stuff. Because I'm just looking through the list. There's, you know, I mean, there's a couple of 80s songs, but then there's, uh, you know, the You and I mashup, which is a Lady Gaga song. And then Rumor Has It, Someone Like You by Adele, which is probably one of the best mashups this show has ever done. Bar none. Like, if I had to list songs for the show, rumor has it someone like you mash up is like in my top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Uh, well, let's talk about some of these tribute episodes. Um, let's go through this list here. We, because we've got, we have the West Side Story stuff, which was the, the big thing um, in the beginning of the season, which I think they did relatively well. I mean, what do you guys think of the West Side Story and how it was done? I think it was pretty good. I liked, like, all, like, the people who did all the songs were pretty fitting for, like, all of them, so. I do wish that Rachel and, um, oh, gosh, I'm blanking. Shelby had not done Somewhere Out There or whatever, what is it called? Oh, yeah. Somewhere That was That was a little weird. Maybe not as weird as... Uh, their season one duet. <laughs> it's, it's a little weird. Uh, so this show has a history of inappropriate duets, so I guess it really oh, just God. is fitting a scheme. <laughs> In between a teacher and a student? In between adults and students? And mother and daughter. I mean, oh, yeah. You know, brothers yeah. singing a breakup song, whatever. <laughs> well, we talked We talked way, when you guys listened to the, the podcast, we actually talked a lot about that and how um, how it still fits their story, even though it is a breakup song. But yeah, It was actually a really interesting twist on that song. And I think in that instance, it's a kind of thing that worked. You know, turning that song on its head a little bit, it really worked for their situation. But in this situation, I'm not really sure that, you know, somewhere out there, I think that's the name of it. That is the name of it, right? Somewhere. somewhere. There's a place for that's it. what it's called. It's just called Somewhere. Okay, so I think that Somewhere was maybe a little too much the uh, into that, you know? Like, mother and daughter, somewhere there's a place for us. Uh I'm not, like, I get where you're going with it, but I don't think that song quite gets you where you're wanting to go. Well, going on into different tributes, um, we've got, of course, the Michael episode. We've got um, 
guess there's, and then we the Saturday Night Gleaver episode, or the Saturday Night oh, Fever, God. and then the Whitney Houston, which I, that's interesting. There's really only three. Um, and yeah. is, is the Spanish teacher technically a, that's going to go, that's thematic, which we'll, I'll talk about in a second. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, we've got Michael Jackson, um, we got Whitney Houston and we've got, um, Saturday Night Fever. And the thing, these three episodes, um, that when I think about it, these were definitely two of them. Uh, let me, sorry, I just need a second to articulate this. Michael and Saturday Night Fever, which were planned, were definitely two episodes where they fit the plot into to mm-hmm. make the songs work. And yeah. there was an abundance of songs in each of those. So it felt more like songs more than plot in those episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think there's a stark difference between the two because I feel like Michael has way less issues than Saturday Night Gleaver does. Yeah, well, Saturday Night Gleaver was a lot more forced. I feel like it was. It's extreme. It feel if I think that's my biggest problem with it. It feels forced. Yeah. Whereas, interestingly, um, I know Glee got Glee, 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 Glee got a lot of flack <laughs> for. Um, for the Whitney Houston tribute being so soon after her death, but I think it's the best of the three tribute ep- those straight up tribute episodes. For whatever reason, the story works I, way better. Yeah. Probably I don't know because I, I think they were taking Whitney's Houston songs because whatever that episode was originally going to be, um, they were going to they kept the plot of it and they just made it be changed the songs. I don't know, but I know that. They, they were already writing that portion of the season when she died, and then they, they kind of changed it up so that her, she would have a tribute episode. Yeah, because I actually think that episode is, is one of the better episodes. Not um, I'm not fond of a couple of the songs because I feel like the tempo is too fast. Um, but uh, the bulk of the songs from that episode really worked for the episode and then it really served the Kurt and Blaine storyline there. It's one of the future yeah. episodes that actually really worked for them. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about for a second. Do you think that Whitney Houston's music translates better to the storylines that were going on or, and they just, because Michael's songs just all feel a little awkward even though there are great Michael Jackson songs and I think that Michael Jackson should get a tribute and I think it was a good thing to do, but I mean, obviously the Saturday Night Fever disco stuff feels the wonkiest, I guess, but. Well, but I do love that Blaine loves disco. (laughs) (laughs) I think that I just honestly, and not to over generalize maybe i just think the plot works better in dance with somebody i just i don't know if it it's it actually is the music that help that kind of helps it i just think that it just works better the songs work better with the plot than it does in michael because the plot isn't very good in michael so it it kind of the music kind of makes it suffer and i wonder if that's um like, you know, the plot of Dance with Somebody is, you know, Kurt and Blaine dealing with their impending separation, the sideline of, you know, 
we'll say cheating, although I that's a long standing fandom debate on whether or not it was really cheating or not. But let's say, you know, the, the, the Chandler plot line. I mean, a lot of Whitney's songs really would serve that story. Mm-hmm. So almost you have like an abundance of music to choose from that no matter what you pick, it's going to work in some way. And then because it's the lesson of the week, you have a lot of other up-tempo, um, really just fun songs to do. And mm-hmm. I think that that B-plot of that in the background really, it works together versus, you know, Saturday Night Gleaver, which was... Well, let me just tell you, I remember Saturday Night Gleaver when the songs came out and none of us could identify who was singing what because every single boy was singing in falsetto. No one knew who was singing what songs. And I remember somebody had to tweet, uh, is that Adam Anders? That was the music guy, yeah. One of the music guys. And say, okay, can you break down who's singing which songs because we can't tell? Uh, Oh, (laughs) And so, and I think with Michael, its biggest issue is that there's just too many songs in that episode. Yeah. Well, kind of moving on from tribute episodes, so it's talking about, I'm looking at the um, list of thematic episodes, and something that I noticed mm. is that comparatively, and I say this because most of the other seasons, every freaking episode is a thematic episode. There seems to be a lot less the- thematic themes that are running through these episodes. A lot of these episodes have songs that are just um, kind of thrown in there. And, and, and mo- a lot of times I say, you know, have a song that works for the plot, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. But I think something that was interesting about Glee is that they often did do thematic stuff really well. And sometimes that worked better for, for an episode. Um not always. Um, sometimes some of these episodes that are just kind of a random collage of songs are just fine. But I just I, I think it's an interesting and kind of breaking down what um, the thematic episodes. First of all, we have Mash Off, um, which has a lot of mashups in it. Um, it's not really a theme, but it, it is a, a trend. I, that's not the right word for it. But well, I guess I think in this particular case, maybe in in. Glee, we could consider it a theme. And the reason I say that is because they do at least one mashup episode every year. At least they did for the first few years. This might be the last time they actually purposefully did a mashup episode. Am I wrong? I don't know. I want to say they did something in season four, but maybe I'm just missing. Oh, God. They could have. See, I feel like maybe I can't. But they didn't like, do with boys and girls. Their, their boys and versus girls stuff was kind of um, girls and boys on film, which yeah. was a couple of mashups. But that was more of a movie theme anyway. So mm-hmm. they're just yeah. scattered around, I think. Yeah. Yep. I guess there is there is girls and boys on film, which is it is supposed to be mashups, isn't it? Because when they do shout, she says, by the way, that wasn't a mashup. Or something. Uh, but the mashups in here, I just wanted to, to list them off because I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. And I don't know if we really get a whole lot of mashups the rest of the season. Um, but we have the you and I, you and I. Which is actually really pretty. Which is really good. I really liked it. I, Ooh, I was surprised be by how much I liked it. 
I'm going to be the, um, the, what's it called? Sorry. Devil's Advocate, the opposite. Yeah, no, the, um, I don't like Do you just like that one? You can say that, though. That's, like, that's my thing. People are always so afraid to have, like, different opinions and just go ahead and own it because everybody like agree and tell me why because i'm really curious i just one it's just will i don't like i don't really <laughs> like will and this is horrible well, i know you won't get an really argument likes. from either no, no, no. <laughs> i don't really like um matthew morrison's voice all that much it Ooh. kind of rubs me the wrong way for whatever reason and I really like Adina Menzel, but she, like, I don't know. It's something about her having to come. I don't know if she's coming down on that. I don't know what it is, but just the blend of those two voices. I just don't really like it. It sounds forced to me for some reason. Don't feel bad because I don't really like Leah Michelle's voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I have like really specific, like, People can't hear it, but there are certain vocal texts that she does that drive me freaking mm. crazy. I, I don't yeah. want to just like discredit the fact that she is is incredibly talented and she knows her stuff and she is she is a really really good singer and I understand why they showcase her. So my aesthetic issues are are not you know, but and maybe that's kind of how I feel about Matthew Morrison. I mean he's a he's a great guy. I think he's actually a very good dancer and a very good actor. I just don't really like his singing voice. It, there's something about it that rubs me the wrong way. And so whenever he has a really, when he has songs, I'm just kind of like, I don't like this. Well, I really wanted to, I'm uh, kind of going, not talking about the um, Hall and Oates one, which I don't think was really that great. Um, I just wanted to tell you. The best part of that one was the mustaches. I'm sorry. That was the only point for watching that scene. Um, the, the two that I really the, that are really good in it, I really love Hit Me With Your Best Shot one way or another. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one's good. And then um, the, um, the infamous rumor has it, Someone Like You. Yes. Gosh, everything about that song, the arrangement was absolutely perfect. And then the filming, the actual performance of it was absolutely perfect. Like they, it was so, like they're all wearing black and it's like minimal makeup, minimal hair. You know, I don't even know if they're, like none of them are wearing any kind of hose or anything. And like it's very just stripped. And I really just love the whole picture of that song. You know, that kind of leads me into a thought and I, I uh, we'll get back. I don't want to not talk about the rest of the the the, um, the tribute stuff, but um, Glee has a tendency to kind of go for these big productions, and um, they go kind of crazy with you know it, it becomes a joke later on when they talk about props, but the or the, you know because they were doing this the laser, laser light show and <laughs> Spanish teacher, the turntable and. Uh, blame it on the alcohol where they spin around or whatever oh, uh, well, or the umbrella stuff the, the waterworks and, and the umbrella yes. thing. but I, yeah. um, a lot of times when they, they finally get stuff that's stripped down and just kind of the core of the emotion and, and um, really focusing in on how it affects this character sometimes it, it works a little bit better not that the, some of the bigger stuff isn't fun but when you're you're telling a story and you're trying to make an emotional impact with music um 
all the lights and the glitter and whatnot don't necessarily always work. And I think this is one time that they, you're right. It was stripped down. It's kind of just them singing and Santana's whole storyline wrapped up in a song. And, and it, it was and really she, cool Naya specifically just killed that scene. And I think it's kind of a, um, um, maybe metaphor is not the right word, but it, a kind of kind of theme of the whole show. You know, when they go really, really big, sometimes it doesn't work. But when they when they stay really simple and really emotional, that is when it really does work. And so, like, I do have one instance, but I'll I'll wait and come back to it till after we talked about the theme episodes. I have I do have one instance where I feel like it doesn't work. And so we'll come back to that. Well, then maybe there's two, but no, that's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a very specific song. And when I say it, you'll probably all agree with me. We'll we'll get to that. Or I could just be out on a bridge by myself. (laughs) The one other thing I wanted to say, though, is that 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 song ruined me for rumor has it forever because i can't yeah. not come in with santana's line uh-huh, yeah. every time i hear that song like when you're when you're like driving along on the radio and yeah. one of the, one of them comes on they sound wrong because wrong. A, they were clearly meant to be one big song well here's here's my side tangent um when the when adele's a, a cd came out we had it as an in-store play in my store and we played oh, no. it like every freaking day oh, for two years. It was just insane. And I cannot stand Rumor Has It. I really cannot stand that song. Um, because when you hear it overhead, you can't hear the whole song. And it's just, Rumor Has It, Rumor Has It, Rumor. <laughs> and it's just like, shut the frick up. I can't stand this. And um, I real so when they believe that they were doing it, I'm like, I'm not. I cannot. But I, I kind of, you know, gotten over that. And I really... I mean, someone like you is the song I prefer, and that's the song that they mostly use. And they, they, rumor has it, isn't as irritating as it is, you know, uh, you know, in a in a retail store uh, overhead thing. Just but as a, um, just as a side, yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, just as a side tangent, I had the same exact experience with "Baby, It's Cold Outside." I worked at Macy's for years and they only played like six Christmas songs from the beginning of November to the end of de- or um, the end of October to the beginning of January. And Baby It's Cold Outside was one of them. And when in season two, when they announced that they were going to do that, I was like, oh, God, help me. I cannot listen to that song one more time. <laughs> <laughs> And now I love it. I, it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. But I was like, oh, but only the Curtain Blaine version. To me, yeah, well, of course, the Curtain me. Most versions of Baby It's Cold Outside are not very good. Oh, That's just my opinion. Uh, so getting back to the thematic episodes, the next one um, is our lady songs. And here's my my our lady songs. <laughs> okay, and this is okay. So this is where I can bring up the the part. The thing where about the strip down oh, doesn't work. Okay. Yes. Okay. So yeah, that's a good point. Okay. So you get these okay. lady songs, and um, before like I, I, they are, except for Jolene, they are. Well, I guess the girls sung by all the girls, and okay, never mind. But it starts out like you have all these guys singing these lady songs, and I'm like, right. this is defeating the purpose. What? Right. I think you missed the point here. 
Well, it wouldn't be the first time that Glee missed the point. So, I mean, I guess there's only three, because then uh, Beast sings Jolene, and then there's the I Kiss a Girl, and the Constant Craving is Santana. But, um, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? But I, I, I know what you're talking about now. Go ahead and say your, your yeah. voice. Okay. Girls just want to have fun. Oh, God. Why? It doesn't work. First off, it's too low for Corey. Bless his ever-loving heart. He tried so hard, but that he just is not meant to sing that deep down on a consistent basis. It does not work. Yeah. It's, it's, the not, story, it's definitely this, not his best song. It is, it is actually one of my least favorite songs the show has ever done. And, and, and I'm not even just talking just about yeah. season three. I'm talking about the entire series. <laughs> my issue with that song, I actually don't mind the arrangement, but my issue is that it's the way it was used. It's the way it's used. It's the fact that this yes. guy is, is that just makes it worse for me. To, yeah, yeah, and we went in length <laughs> about. It. I mean, I, I you know I won't re, I won't recap. I'll say you guys we talked about this at length in the uh, um the, the podcast that we did. I kissed a girl, but long story short, it's the fact that Finn is singing this to Santana, and the reason he's doing it, and the fact that you know she's you know all of these guys are surrounding her, telling her it's okay to be a lesbian. Is it just not right? So it's I gross. understand it's what, what they were trying to do, but basically, it just comes off the complete opposite of what they were going for. I can't even understand what they were trying to do, and I promise this will be the last well, thing I say. But it it reminds me of just a bunch of men in the writing room saying, "Oh, this is how a woman is supposed to feel about that." So let's have all the men in the Glee Club sing to a woman and tell her how she's supposed to feel. You know, about and that. the sad thing is, this particular episode was written by a woman, and they had input. I think she was. Thing. Don't quote me. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong. A lesbian woman, or, or at least a bisexual woman, um, were on the right Yeah, Matthew Hodge, Hodgson. I can't say his last name. I'm sorry. He's Hodgson. a writer. Hodgson, yeah. Hodgson. Oh, he was the writer of it. So, but they had there was a woman writer that they brought in purposely to help with this stuff. Um, but why they didn't give her this particular episode, I I don't know. I don't know either. Oh, there are okay, some really things that trivia? I think work, but oh, no, go ahead. I, uh, I talked to no, you. Someone's, uh, well, I'm looking at the trivia on the wiki and it says that the scene with Santana coming out to her abuela, that was like written by Alison Adler. And that was inspired oh, by. Oh, okay. Like, oh. That was, that, that's the only part that she probably wrote. And that's the only part of the episode that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. I mean, as much as I love Kurt and Blaine singing "Perfect," and then the fact that they sing this to each other in the car will fuel every fanfic from here to the end of time. Right. Like it's I one mean, of my favorite Queen duets, but it doesn't fit the whole. It doesn't. No. Can I tell you though? This okay, and 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 we can move this to like a whole separate section. Can we discuss at some point? Um, the way songs were released in season three. Yeah, let's finish up the tribute stuff, um, and then okay. before we get into the Glee Project stuff and the character stuff, we'll we'll, we'll write that down so I don't forget it. <laughs> I'll make a note. What did you say? So I don't forget. I'll write it down. 
um, the way the songs were released um, with the first listen Friday. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so going on, I'm gonna. Uh, there's the Christmas episode again. We talk way at length about the music in the Christmas episode, so go back and because re- we really go through it. But I actually oh, this can is we pit stop um, in episode eight though. It's uh, not a tribute episode. Up for a minute. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back. We'll talk about that when we talk about Sam. Okay. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll do. I, I just wanted to hit tribute, and then we'll do Glee Project, and then we'll okay. talk about characters. Okay. Um, Sorry, it's my ADD again. <laughs> well, and I told you, like I said, I did not. This is me being not organized. Like, if I was organized, you guys would have an whole agenda, and this is how we talk about everything. And I didn't do any of that, so um, I'm fail as a host today. So um, the Christmas episode, I, I really like the Christmas music. I think this is the no, I really like season four. One of the better albums that they released. I would say um, four is my favorite, but this yeah. is definitely right after four. I is, there's a couple on here that are okay. Um, and then I actually, and I could be alone. As far as original music goes, extraordinary Merry Christmas, and um. There's a couple other ones that are on the album that don't end up in this episode. They actually really work for me. I see. I like Extraordinary Merry Christmas. I, it's, it's one, one of, of the only original songs this show has ever done that I really, really, really like. You don't like Hell yeah, I like it too. I mean, the ones from um, Original Song are good. But I actually like this one more than those. Wait, you don't like my cup? Come on. Okay, wait. Okay, I'm sorry. Take that song, back. Though. My cup is is oh, my yeah. absolute jam, and I can prove this because I made eight different versions of a clean music video featuring them with cups. What about um? <laughs> what about is that why you like Red Solo Cup? Because you like cups. <laughs> I just, well, I wanted to talk about it in the sense that, first off, what the hell, but No, also, we'll talk about it when we talk about Sam. I just was being obnoxious again. I know, but you know what, though? There are, like, three scenes from Red Solo Cup that end up in one of my My Cup videos, so. Well, yeah, yeah. Kurt and Because they're holding cups. cups. I mean, come on. <laughs> what about uh, my headband, the seminal classic? Oh, God. No. <sighs> No, no, there weren't enough headband shots to do a video about people with headbands. Headbands give me headaches. <laughs> okay, me. we're totally digressing here. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this has never happened in the history of the show. Um, ever. ever. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, uh, moving from the Christmas episode, um, to Spanish teacher. Oh, Spanish mm-hmm. Which is where the bad idea <laughs> Here's the thing with Spanish Teacher and me. I love the music. Please don't crucify me. I do. I love the music. I have almost all of them except for the Will songs. Um, because I love Ricky Martin. Uh, he was a big heartthrob of mine in my preteen years. And, <clears throat> and I just really loved... <laughs> The music and I love um, Kurt's re- and the girls' reaction to him in the in the scene that they do. So I love the music, 
the actual episode is just crap. <laughs> it's just crap. I think that they, um, well, I know that we talked about when they did the episode that they did some really good things here with the music that the plot doesn't necessarily support. Yeah, it's unfortunate that for, you know, and what's, you know, I can talk quickly. Uh, gosh, on my list, I'm going to put guest stars, even though there weren't very many. Uh, we um, Ricky Martin was a great choice of a guest star because he has this musical background. And it's just unfortunate, as we said in the episode, that he kind of got a shit of an episode to do right. because he was, he was really good. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so... Yeah, the sexy and I know it with the with the Spanish included actually made that song better for me. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Uh, then we get heart, which is all the the love songs, which I I think it's a really I think there's a really good list here because all the couples kind of get something and um they and even the introduction the introduction of Joe, which. Compared oh, yeah. to the introduction of Rory, and we can talk a little bit more about that as we head into the Glee Project stuff, Stereo Hearts was a good song for him. Yeah. Um, then we get, we don't get another thematic episode or uh, thing until, that's it. I mean, until Goodbye, which is kind of, uh, and it's not really a theme. What it is, it's just about the um you know moving on and i know and i actually really like the the songs of goodbye i think it you know it's really about kind of the end of something the beginning of something else and yeah i think they they chose some really good things the only thing that bothers me about the music and goodbye is that they recorded like 15 songs right that well, could potentially yeah. get used in this episode and then the ones that they used were not necessarily the best ones on that album yeah i really wish they did um they did one with blaine and finn time they, of my life yeah t- like i wish they had done a scene with it i don't know if they did but and then in my life which was in the episode is not on that album which they actually do a couple of other times because favorite things is not on the Christmas album. You have to buy it as a single. Interesting. So that kind of wraps that up uh, really quickly about guest stars. I just want to mention it's interesting. There really aren't very many. Um, we've got Ricky Martin. We've got um, Adina Menzel um, at the beginning, which was, you got this great Broadway actress and you give her the stupidest plot line. Yeah. Her. <laughs> but it's no wonder really she lit out of there as soon as her six episodes were up. Right. Is she really a guest star, though? I mean, I guess she is technically, but she has a previous role and she's there for, a, you know, a certain amount of she, time. I, I guess she'd be a recurring at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But she doesn't show up again after, until um, one scene in season four with Rachel. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm guessing... I'm, Granted, I'm based on what they gave her, I would not be surprised if she just was like, nope, not doing that ever again. Yeah. 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 In which she and Rachel sing yet another inappropriate mother-daughter duet. That wasn't even the worst part of that. It was the whole sleeping with Puck thing. Uh, that was a bad storyline. I, 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 uh, I blank a lot of that out. As you should. Um, but, yeah, then we, like, um, the only other guest stars I can think of are Matt Bomer... Um, who is Delight? Uh, oh, yeah. Rachel's parents. We, oh, yeah. yeah. 
Who? Uh, and they do have a Oh, right. That entire dinner scene was nothing but one giant gay innuendo. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then, um, um, shoot, this was on the, who was I, who am I forgetting? Um, uh, Gloria Stefan as Santana's mom. Oh, is that? She oh, didn't yeah. even say. Oh, yeah. And the actress who played her grandmother, she's been in tons of stuff too. She's currently on um, Jane the Virgin. But you remember when they announced Gloria Stefan and we all thought she was going to sing and she did not? And then she didn't. Why would you not have her sing? And then when she finally did sing in season six, it was on the worst mix of voices you could have ever put together in your whole entire life. Yeah. We'll say that for the season six podcast. (laughs) Um, Crap. Who am I forgetting? There's one person else that I was like. I'm like skimming. Yeah, I'm skipping the episode. Last. I know. I'm. I. It'll come to me later. I don't know what I was talking. But oh, I, well, oh go ahead. Uh, oh, well, for nationals, you have like Skylar Austin. And, That's oh. who I was. We weren't. Or no, he's in season four. Oh wait, no. Um, or five. Sorry, five. Oh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg was. Oh, unique and um. Unique's a little different because um she's part of the Glee Project stuff, so we'll get to that oh, yeah. in a second. Yeah. But Whoopi Goldberg as... Uh, oh, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. How did we miss that? Yeah, but she doesn't sing, so it's not like... No, she doesn't well, sing. Well, true, but she's still really awesome. It's interesting, yeah. though, where... I guess they didn't have a... Oh, oh, that's who it was. And the other was uh, Coach Roz, was uh, Nene Leakes. Oh! Wait, you know, you know, oh, yeah, she was this season. I forgot about she that. She was fantastic. Yeah, but she didn't sing. I did not. Like, when they said that they were getting somebody from a Real Housewives episode or show, I was like, what? Why? She was great. I was blown away by her. But it's interesting. I guess I'm trying to think if seasons one and two really did have a lot of guest stars that sang, but maybe not. Um, I, I just, it's interesting that guest stars didn't feel... I. I don't know. It didn't seem... I guess because they dragged out Kristen Chenoweth and, and Gwyneth Paltrow and, and really, you know, uh, um, featured them a lot more, whereas the guest stars in this season were a little bit more low-key, I guess. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. They were, they were there to guest star in the episode, not just to drop a single. Right. Before we get into so go ahead and, and and talk about you wanted to mention this was the beginning even though it wasn't season two um when they just first started doing for Friday first Friday let's God I give up first listen Friday yes so first listen Friday started somewhere in the middle of season two uh, it may have started earlier than that but I joined fandom right around um. Right after, uh, very uh, what's the Christmas episode in season two called? Very good uh, Christmas. Is it okay? I was like, is that the right one? I'm, I'm thinking the right one. <laughs> so I joined right after a very good Christmas, and what I realized was, as I joined a couple of LJ communities, I'm showing my age, um, was that the songs were coming out, and they'd come out every Friday. And what they would do is then you could listen to the songs or people would download the songs and and 
start talking about them. And so every Friday, you know, you'd get in this thing where uh, the songs would come out and then you'd have all weekend and, you know, like through Monday to listen to them and the show would be on on Tuesday. So what they did, starting with um, I Kissed a Girl, was... Uh, and I don't know if they did this just to make us mad because they knew that would be the one that everybody wanted or every song but Perfect came out on Friday. And Perfect was released on Monday as an exclusive release on some random review or tabloid blog or basically like an entertainment blog whoever blogged about the show or whatever. Somebody got Perfect, but we had to wait till Monday to get it. That was a fandom riot. Let me just tell you, the Tumblr burned that weekend. Um, I'm sure. Once they did that, though, they started doing that with other episodes. And the most notable one that I can think of is the Whitney episode. Every song was released on a different entertainment website. And it was like one an hour or something like that. Oh, it was the most absolute ridiculous thing. I have to wonder, though, at this point, their ratings are starting to go down. And I think mm-hmm. that they were trying to come up with innovative ways to get people back into it. So, I mean, and, you know, I'm sure part of it, whenever they could piss off cleaners or Britannia fans, they would, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the Glee Project um, as we talked about in length in multiple episodes throughout the season there was the Glee Project we had Glee Project winners Ryan Murphy stuck them on the show um, we're not going to talk so much about plot um, but let's talk about we've got Harmony uh, Rory Four, right? yeah, Harmony, Rory, Joe and um, and Unique Unique. And uh, I, I, the kit considered really better. Harmony, she has, she's just as a guest star. She has two songs. The girl can sing, um, yeah. and she was used in probably the best. I, I mean, excluding Unique, which I think is a, an exception because that character took off. Um, was really used in a very well. Uh, this what it should have been. You know, she's in. You know, one little scene in the beginning and competition. And um, the girl can oh sing. Oh my god, and- it's the Gerber baby. <laughs> <laughs> can I even just say, like, I won't spend a whole lot of time on this, I promise, but I was totally still general audience for most of season three. And I watched with my roommate. And um, we, when Harmony came on, we're like, oh, she would be the perfect rival for Rachel. They're going to do a whole storyline and it's going to be these two pitted against each other. And then whenever she's like, oh, and then think I'm only a sophomore. Then, then we were like, oh, she's going to come back and she's going to be so, such a good rival for the new directions next year. And then it was, they just never went anywhere with it. No. And they could have. She was much more of an interesting character. I would have much preferred Harmony as a as a new newbie whatever in season four than a lot of the other ones that were were introduced. Yeah, I cared more about Harmony in those two scenes that she had than I did a lot of the newbies for most of season four and season five. I mean, even just to keep her as a rival, she could have been like another. Um, Sebastian for the 
season four Glee Club. Yeah, she could have been the Sebastian of Vocal Adrenaline. Right. So I think that they missed a thing there. And maybe they couldn't get uh, the actress back, whose name is escaping me off the top of my head. Um, Maybe they couldn't get her to come back. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Well, and I I mean, not to, I don't want to get too gossipy here. Um, A lot of people have told me that they didn't, that the girl herself was difficult. Yeah. I've heard that, too. Well, from what I remember on the Glee Project, she did have some issues. And I think, ultimately, that's one of the reasons why she didn't win. Um, So we have Rory. And Rory... God bless Damien McGinty's heart. He tried. (laughs) So awful. I'm sorry. Rory, actually... Damien McGinty actually has a good voice, though. But... His character is so boring, and they give him his four solos. I was just looking at this, and they're all depressing. So they yeah. keep yeah. giving him these sad, depressing songs. That it just he, there's no. no go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just say there's no spark to him. There's nothing there that yeah. says, "Wow, I really want to listen to this guy." And I'm like, "No, oh my God, if he sings one more song, I'm gonna be freaking depressed." The, no, the thing about Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your thought first. He was so popular in Ireland, though. He is. That's what I was going to say too. He was in a huge Irish group, and Mm -hmm. like, yeah. um, I had a friend where I worked at the time, who I was watching Glee in the in the break room, and she's like, "Oh, Damien McGinty's on this season." I'm like, "Sure, I don't know." (laughs) (laughs) And she's like telling me all about his big band, and I'm like. Okay, that's great. I mean, he's really boring on the show. I, of course, did not say that to her. But, I mean, he apparently he was very, actually, very popular. The problem, okay, so the problem with Damien McGinty is not necessarily Damien himself. The problem is, is so what happened on the Glee Project, and this sort of leads into, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? The guy who plays Joe, somebody tell me his name. Samuel Larson. Samuel Larson. Okay, so what happened was the Glee Project literally came down to uh, Samuel Larson and Damien McGinty for the top two. I don't remember who the third one was. It might have been the girl who played Harmony. I'm trying to remember. Well, how did Alex Newell then get... No. Where was Alex Newell? Or or wait, maybe maybe they were in the top four. Maybe it was the four of them. Because I feel I yeah, it was the four of them because he ended up saying he was eventually going to write roles for the other two, too, but they wouldn't be like big roles because the whole point of the Glee project was that you were going to have a recurring guest starring role on the show. Mm-hmm. So the other so um, the the other two got eliminated, so it was down to Samuel Larson and Damien McGinty. And when they announced who won, they actually announced Samuel first, and then Ryan said, "And actually, both of you have won. We're going to pick. We want both of you to do it." And the reason why I think that Damien won is because early on he had jumped out as a fan favorite on the Glee Project, and um, one of the other guys, Cameron, who ended up voluntarily leaving the show about halfway in. Um, the two of them were like the bestest buds to ever BFF on social media. And we just sort of fell in love with their friendship. And I think that because he was such a fan favorite, 
that Ryan felt like he had no choice but to write him in too. Can I just interject really quickly and say this is why you don't let the fans cast things. You let the casting directors cast things. Whatever. Anyway. (laughs) Although if Ryan Murphy had had his way, the Glee Project wouldn't have happened in the first place, but it was out of his hands. So there you go. Um, so, and then the thing is, because after Rory kind of fades in the background as he should, he becomes part of the the boy band group numbers that they Mm. started getting, and he works better in that, because you can't really, he just kind of blends in. Um, then we have Samuel Larson as Joe, who didn't really get a whole lot to sing, kind of looking at this, um. No, but they did keep him into season four. Although he was severely underused there too. But yeah, he doesn't sing I, except for the his duet with Quinn and his uh, stereo hearts. He doesn't uh, really do anything musical, so there's not really a lot. To, I, I like I, none of that. I think of it, I couldn't tell you what his voice sounds like vocally. But you know, as a character, though, I really do like Joe. I'm indifferent. I don't really have a whole lot of feelings either like, way. I didn't I, like. I don't hate him. So like, like when we head into season four and he's still there, like I don't mind him being there. I like. I generally like him. You know what I mean? Like, there's some people that maybe they're not your favorites, but you're okay with them being there. Yeah. And then you know, then there are characters you just can't stand. Well, and then the last one, um, which is really the breakout of the these, would be Alex Newell's Unique. Um, and there and you have somebody who has, for, you know, this is a show about musical theater, and you have somebody who has a lot of presence, who has a great vocal ability, who brings something new to the table, is bringing this trans character to the table. And that is why, like, all of these, you know, clicked, and that is why this character resonated and stayed on the show. Um, mm-hmm. And um, his, uh, you know, the whole thing about the character dressing. Originally, I think they were going for, you know, Wade was going to be a character who dressed in drag to perform. That eventually, I think, kind of morphed into, you know, the whole, well, actually, you know, they're trans and, and we're going to do. Um, a storyline based around that is, is when he was on the Glee Project, Alex would do all of his performances dressed um, in drag. I guess this is right. I'm not sure if that's the right terminology to use, but well, he was dressed, you know. It is, I mean, maybe at the beginning, but in Saturday Night Gleeper, when, when Unique is first introduced, she is introduced as um, somebody who identifies as a female, and they make a point in that, okay. so... I'm trying, like, it's been a while since I've watched that episode because it's not my favorite. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think that the Glee Project in, impacting, I, you know, it's interesting. I don't think that, I, I think it affects more of the storylines than it does the actual music. I don't know if the, other than Rory's boring-ass solos, I don't think that there's anything... He ruined being green for me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Kermit will never recover. Kermit will never. He will not approve of that. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, let's take a quick before we jump out into the cut and the. Let's talk about the the competition set list real quick before we we get into the character stuff. We have three. We have hold on to sixteen. We have the stuff in on my way. 
And we have the set list in um, Nationals. And... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I think this is, like, one of my actually, like, favorite, like, seasons with, like, my favorite competition songs. Like, they're pretty good. So, go ahead and expand more on that. Uh, Yeah, so, like, for uh, sectionals, they did all the Michael stuff. And I guess it's because Rachel isn't there. Sorry. No, I but agree. It's like, no, but it's you like, won't get an argument from, I don't think, <laughs> anybody like, here. I think here. it also, like, showcased everyone really, really well. Like, including, like, Tina and, like, Mike. Just everyone. I almost said Chris hasn't, like, Kurt hasn't. I've just been bleeding them too much. But anyway. Yeah, Kurt gets in line. You get, um... He's got a he couple can... in ABC, actually. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. But you're right, Tina and Mike um, get showcased. Go ahead, Hunt. Sorry. Quinn? Oh, you're good. Yeah, Quinn does too, yeah. So, like, everyone who gets pushed back when Rachel's singing is kind of always... That's pretty good. And Man in the Mirror is, like, really good with all the guys. I, I agree. Like, I think Hold On to 16's set list is fantastic. And it is the most realistic to actual competition. Oh, right, yes. Bethany, you were going to talk about your, your competition. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, okay, so um, I was actually, we called it show choir, but I was in show choir in high school. We competed, we were very poor and very bad, so we didn't get very far. <laughs> but, um, but it was fun, right? <laughs> it was very fun. Um, but one thing about competitions, I don't know about in other states, but in the four districts where I am, which is um, – Illinois, Missouri, Iowa, and um, parts of Michigan, um, a competition is also usually convention. So you go and you watch all of them perform. They are hours and hours and hours long because it's 20 or 30 schools. And New Directions would not win very much because they don't focus on the group you have one or two people singing and everybody's swaying in the background and that's not how a real show choir or a glee club is supposed to work because you're not showing the talent of everyone so like whenever you see these competition episodes where like rachel has is just standing there singing that would bore a judge and they wouldn't it bores the audience too Right, it's boring. And so, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, It just, so, um, Hold On to 16 is the most realistic to actual high school competitions in the entire show. Maybe sort of, kind of, in season five when they um, lose at Nationals. That is very similar to an actual... um, competition for a high school but it just bugs me every time when I see Rachel just like my least favorite song of the season is a Rachel competition song because it's so annoying that she's just standing there singing with little sprinkles of other people ooing and awing. it's just mm-hmm. it's boring it's it's not gonna it's not gonna no matter how great her voice is it's not gonna get them a high score Me too. Yeah, and that's my least favorite song of the entire season is in On My Way. I The reason I think that definitely the Michael Jackson um, songs for Hold On to 16 work is 
it felt more like, and, and, and this is kind of like, in what you're saying where it, it is more group cohesion not mm-hmm. only just with the singing and, and getting different people a chance to shine but they were doing in sync choreographed dancing right. and yeah. you don't really see a lot of that in their competition episodes I mean you know like was it regionals in season one was thrown together in the green room which is also completely unrealistic, unrealistic but because yeah. that, that aside, I mean, that aside, you know, so there's that. And um, so and in season two, they do have some choreography, but it's very much two or three people on display. Right. Yeah, because you have to submit your songs like weeks in advance because there's programs that go out for these. And you have an approved list of songs, I right. think, sometimes you to don't choose have from. To, you don't actually, there's not a list, but they have to okay. approve the song. Yeah, and I'm just, oops, sorry, making a lot of noise over here. Um, I wasn't in show choir, I was in regular choir, but we didn't compete. Um, but I did a lot of band stuff, which it's kind of set up the same way. Yeah. And um, it's the same type of thing. First of all, you have to have a certain, I mean, the, all of these arbitrary rules that Glee makes up are just insane and not. Yeah. Rules that ultimately yeah. end up shooting them in the foot. Right. And they don't make any sense. No, they don't. But in, in our band competitions, you had to have three songs. Um, everyone has three songs. You're right. It goes on for hours. You have your time slot. Nobody else is watching um, and, um, and you are, you're judged based on your performance and that's kind of how it works. Um, but the fact that they, the, the, the whole on the 16, you're right. It's, it's a group effort. Everybody has a chance to shine. They do some really great songs. They do some really great showcasing. And I think that's one of the, um, hindrance of all the rest of the competition stuff because on my way and even nationals oh that's what I was gonna say about the, the choreography but anyway um yeah you don't you don't get um uh that that you know spotlight on everybody you get Rachel or you just get Finchel um and it's it's not as interesting and no. the thing I was gonna say about the choreography I wonder if because you're right the choreography for competition episodes are usually awful and it makes me wonder if it's just, you know, you have uh, these actors, half of them can't dance, and you have, like, one week to throw this big production together. It makes sense from a production level why the dancing usually kind of stinks in these, but... Yeah. Well, they really did go all out for the Michael Jackson stuff. And I mm-hmm. and I, I thought that that... And, and it showed... Um, I think the Nationals dancing was a lot better, too. I think they yeah, actually... Oh, yeah. I was, I, one of the reasons why, and I know that you have issues with the song um, Space Orphan, but um, one of the reasons why Paradise by the Dashboard Light is one of my favorite songs is because of the choreography, the way the song is put together, the way it's staged. And, um, you know, while I'll never fe- be able to forget the the caption contest we had with the one with the boys where everyone's describing what they're doing mm-hmm. you know oh but, yeah like, with the um, oh go ahead sorry. I don't like that song <laughs> I was just gonna say you don't like paradise I, I don't like paradise but my thing is I don't like the actual song like it has nothing oh, to do with oh, like the okay. performance of it we had a discussion about it during the national you, you guys can go back and listen to the national podcast when, when we do and you 
when that's out. Um, but long story short is I don't particularly like the song. And so to have to sit into this like seven, eight minute long song that I don't like is tedious, but I can objectively say and agree that it is a fantastic performance. And I think they did a really good job with that. So, yeah, not a big meatloaf I, fan. Uh, huh? <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of the original, but I like the Glee version, which is yeah, a I sentence I say quite a bit. I do too. I don't know if yeah. I've ever actually listened to the original. I've only heard it like once, once on the radio yeah. or something. And I was like, really? I'm not a fan. Yeah. Sorry, Meatloaf. <laughs> it's not a very, I mean, when you really listen to the lyrics, it's kind of mean. Like, oh my gosh. Okay. You could cut this part out, Space Orphan, if you want to. But can I just take a minute and enjoy the fact that this entire song is Rachel and Finn discussing getting married and, and then, then Finn deciding that he's going to say yes so he can sleep with her. And then the next morning he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be with her anymore and he's waiting for the end of time because then he won't be with her anymore. Like, what is the song? And, and I understand why the bulk of the song goes to them because they're the like the you know the forefront or whatever you know Finchel stuff but I just am so utterly amused that that is the dialogue that's taking place in this song oh yeah it actually is rather entertaining and and what we didn't really talk about it in nationals but it's such a contrast I think at that point at that point in our national discussion I was probably dumb and we still had tongue-tied to do so we will not be talking about tongue tied on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it's a direct contrast to their current storyline in which, hey, they're going to go get married. Is it though? Is it? Ultimately, no, because they don't. But you know what I mean? It was such an interesting thing for them to be singing two characters who are ideally going to go get married. You know what I mean? After nationals or something, you know. Though yeah. so I wouldn't say it was the most appropriate song for teenagers to be singing, but that's just another no. can of worms. <laughs> no, but I mean, and it's not the worst song that Glee has ever covered when it comes to appropriateness. <laughs> come on, this is a yeah. this is a show that let them do. Can I touch you there? Oh God. Oh. Anyway, so um. Or no, I'm sorry. It's do you want to touch me? That's what it's called. Yeah. Kind of moving on from that, though, I, I want to say, first, before we get to character stuff, God, this is going to be the longest podcast. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I hope we had nothing to do this morning. Um, nope. I don't yeah, think no. anything beats our season two music six-hour-long podcast. It took <laughs> us six hours to tape that. No, we didn't. We just talked for six hours. It was like two hours for the podcast. Whatever. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh I want to say something about group numbers. Um, I, I don't know. I don't believe there are any more or less than there were in season two. Um, but I think they did really well with group numbers. I think they started utilizing more people's voices. Um, it's still not great. I mean, until they figured out how to use Kurt's voice really well in a group number, I, I don't think it was great. But um, I'm not sure they ever quite consistently uh, got there, though. I do. I, I think at the end, I think uh, season five does really well. Mm-hmm. There okay. was one song in this season, and I can't remember which one it is now, where I can actually hear him and pick him yeah. out. Well, the, in in Hold On to 16, the competition stuff, you can hear him. Yeah, but it was yeah. it was something later. Um, you can pick him out in Constant Craving at the end. Well, yeah, that's oh, deliberate, though. Um, 
in um in their their quartet in um how will I how oh yeah yeah how will I know uh, there's yeah. uh, there's a section where he is uh even though they're still all singing together his voice is a little more dominating in in a couple of lines and well I think it's cool though because. Um, uh, these smaller groups, they don't do them very often, but I think they're really effective and it's a shame that they didn't because they highlight the voices better. But like, I think that, um, that song is one of my favorites because you have these four very strong vocally people who have this great song to sing and they do it just stripped down to their voices and you can hear them all and it's fantastic. And, okay. you know, it's also similar to, um, shake it out. When you have Santana yeah. and Gina, yeah, singing. that was a really like oh, they did that, that really. One. That's another instance of where taking something, maybe it's something about Santana and Mercedes voices when you slow it down and strip it, that they sound fantastic. Um, the one they them. do in Yes No is really good too. Oh, the uh, the group number uh, with the girls, yeah, with the girls, oh yeah. Oh, the the first time I, uh, ever I saw your face. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one's a really good one, and that one's also really slow and ballad. It's a ballady. Okay. So, um, we'll do a dissertation on why Santana and Mercedes can sing slow songs, but Rachel shouldn't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Um, which leading into the character stuff, uh, let's let's kind of do a rundown of of the character stuff in here. Um, I'm not going to do a lot of the, like, little guest star or one-off people, whatever. Um, I don't think we need to. But talking about the major characters, uh, I'm kind of going through um, by seniors. I actually did this for the wrap-up. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, most of the juniors have a senior's counterpart or vice versa. So I'm going to kind of go that way. Um, starting off with, I'm going to ignore Will. And I, I don't think, I mean, unless you guys, yeah, nobody really wants to talk about Will. No. Um, yeah. uh, there's. Thank you. If you guys really want it, I will like do a special mini podcast for Will, but I'm sure nobody does. There might be one person. All right, so going up, the, the only um, character, the only junior that doesn't really get a senior partner is Artie. And um, Artie's music, you know, people talk about jukebox blames, but Artie is more so jukebox. Yeah, people absolutely. People really realize that. 100%. He gets, um, he's the lead of the boy band, which is, uh, I, usually it's Artie, uh, sometimes Puck, Sam, Rory, and Joe. They get their boy band and stuff, which is kind of fun. I mean, it's, it's the music's kind of, they get the stuff in the prom episode, but uh or Artie gets stuff that's good for other people's plots. I, I'm thinking right now, now of his stuff in Yes, No, or, uh, yeah. And I and I like listening to Kevin McHale sing, so it's not it's never a problem for me. I don't really you know, like Artie, I mean, but I do like Kevin I, McHale. I don't know yeah. how much you guys know about Kevin, but he was in a boy band at one time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So the whole boy band vibe works for him. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. I think they do well with his voice. I just think, I don't think it's unfortunate. I don't think Artie, I, I don't like Artie enough to want him to have more, to have more uh, um, story. But I don't think he had much of a cohesive story throughout season three that he just basically sang. I don't, I would argue he doesn't have much of a cohesive story throughout the series. That's true. Other too. than being a jerk. <laughs> a jerk who doesn't know anything oh. <laughs> about safe sex. I mean, come on. 
I mean, this is, I'm just, I'm sorry. That's not, not related to this podcast, but I just have so many issues with that. I mean, American sex ed, and just leave it at that. I'm sorry, they had sexy Gwyneth Paltrow showed them all how to put condoms on bananas. Oh, come on. That is not actually what she did. She sang them a song about fucking <laughs> each other. Don't be naive, Slayer Kitty. I know. I'm just... <laughs> I'm totally kidding with you, Slayer Kitty. I know, I'm I know. Just messing around. <laughs> Jeez. She sang them a song about touching, and that was good enough. It's not a podcast unless we tease Kitty about something. Oh, <laughs> Lord, I know. But, yes, I agree. Like, I don't, he he doesn't have much plot, period, in season three, <laughs> other than with Sugar and our, um, yeah, Sugar. And, 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 Rory, and then he doesn't and the directing girl. thing. Not that I necessarily want Sugar to be with Artie, but just, you know, it was just sort of like he was just there to be. Rory's rival, because Rory needed some. Yeah. Power. And to sing, to sing songs. Uh-huh. Because he did, he'd sing, like, the yes, no, there was Michael, he got his duet with Mike, um, and, just, and I should actually pull up the thing and actually look. Jeez, you'd be a good host if you did things like that. Um, nah. I'm going through, I mean, he does, he sings on a lot of, um group numbers but you know and, and that's i i want to say though that he always has though i mean in yeah. season one and season two this isn't this isn't a new thing it's just sort of something that his he he has a very good very adaptable voice so they tend to put him in as lead especially on the group songs especially since well i guess we'll talk about in a second. Okay. Yeah. So, and then do he it also does all like the rapping stuff whenever. Else. Well, that's because he's one of the few people on the cast who can actually rap halfway decently. Yeah. yeah. The kids don't like it when I rap. Oh, I'm, I'm, that, no. I'm just going to be saying that line to the end of time. Um, so going into our the um, two seniors that don't actually have a junior partner um, are Quinn and Puck. And. Um, Quinn, they finally kind of figured out how to use her voice better. She she gets these kind of deeper songs. She doesn't have very many. I think she only has one solo. That's fine. I think is that in the Michael episode? I never never can say goodbye. Yeah. That was good though. And and she sounds fine on it, but honestly, I gotta say that that song was kind of unnecessary. They didn't really need it. Yeah. No. So, which sucks because don't you don't want to be the song the episode doesn't need. Yeah, they there's a lot of things and and I'll talk way more about the in the wrap up. Um, Quinn was just a, kind of a leftover thought half the time, and yeah. unfortunately, musically she is as well. But I, I do give them credit for finally figuring out that she's an alto. And um, not her, a second soprano. Um, letting her sing at that level when she, she can sing. Um, it's not the, it's not the greatest, but I think she has a unique and interesting voice. See, I always really liked her. She has a nice her. tone. Yeah. I always really liked her with Santana on Take My Breath Away. That's one of the yes, songs that's that a I good song. Yes. They, that one was good too. She doesn't sing enough to have any kind of story arc with her music. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. um, yeah. Um, and then Puck, uh, actually, the funny thing about Puck is that he gets all the heavier rock, sometimes occasional heavy metal. Um, 
which doesn't, which sometimes it works, and then other times it just doesn't work. So Hot for Teacher actually really works in the way that it was done. Yeah. But most of that, it works because of the performance. Well, but I think he does well. I mean, if there's one character who's going to sing that kind of music, I think Pocket's going to be that person. Can we all agree that the rain in Spain does not work? I love no. that one. Whatever. Anyway. Oh, I mean, it, it was like, no, it's it terrible. <laughs> For what it is, it it's it's just, just not my favorite. It's still not the worst song they've ever done. I just think it's funny. I just can't stop laughing through the whole thing. It's so ridiculous. It's kind of like it's very sleepover funny. Like it's three o'clock in the morning. It's very three a.m. and we're really we're really tired. So and see, I appreciate it on that level. It's not like I'm sitting here listening to it on my iPod every day, but it's you know, it's one of those. It's a song that you watch, but you probably don't listen to. Yeah, I'll agree with that. If it was in the episode, I wouldn't skip it. But right. I, if it comes up on my iPod, you know, like on my music shuffle or whatever, then I will skip it. Um, something that, and I, I'm, I'm blanking on if he gets a lot of this in season three because he does it in a lot of season two, um, is that you give Puck a guitar and let him sing some kind of classic rock song, and he does really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, waiting for a girl yeah. like you. Yeah. Yeah, he did that one really well. Um. Let's see. Uh, actually, e and Beast do mean, and that's really well done. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, I'm just going to be quiet about that one. It's not my favorite. It's okay. <laughs> I think that they did well, considering that I don't think Dot Marie Jones is supposed to really she be much Bless her heart. She's well I mean, enough. Bless her. She's just auto tuned. Yeah. A little bit. And honestly, though, they, I see, because Darren was saying something recently in an article before all his new band stuff came out, uh, something about the auto tune and the use of it and how people would complain that it was too much sometimes. But he basically broke it down with, you know, you would have like 20 people in a studio in one day. And if it doesn't work, but you still got to get the song recorded. You may have to auto tune them just to get it to sound good. And I'm, I'm guessing, and this is, you know, especially with non singers like Dot Marie Jones, um, what, why I, I'm a little bit more lenient on, on these songs is because, you know, if you have somebody who needs a lot of practice and can actually sound good, but like I even, I'll even, God, I'll even go over there and say it with Darren, like, you know, the more time, they put into it and it better they sound. Whereas if you're just like mm-hmm. up at 6am, you've had no warm up. you're thrown into a studio, you're saying, sing this as quickly as you can. We've only got two takes to do it. I can understand why a lot of the songs became auto tune because most people, pretty much all of them can't do that. Um, and right. that's, so yeah. I, I get that. I forgive a lot of the auto tune I did before, but especially after Darren's um, commentary on it. And mm-hmm. see, I can forgive auto-tune with this with Mean, because Dot doesn't sing a whole lot. It's harder for me to forgive it with someone, like, character like Brittany, who kind of, gets thrown into these songs that she can't do, and then they sound overproduced. Yeah, and, and Heather Morris isn't a vocalist either. Sometimes I wonder with some of those yeah. songs 
because a lot of times she's covering things like Britney if they're overproducing it on purpose. Well, let's pin the Britney conversation for just a second. So we'll, we'll get to her in a second. Um, uh, one quick thing about Dot Marie Jones. So I wanted to say, just throw it throw out there to Jolene. I think that while it is not anywhere near my favorites, I I give her a lot of credit. I think that was me. She had a job. Yeah, um, she does. So. And I don't know if she sang anything in season three. I'm trying to remember. Did did Emma Emma sing? Will you marry me? Or White Bell Blues? That's what she's saying. She's not a singer either. But she did, and we'll really talk about her in season four when she covered the song "And I Do." She blew that song out of the water. Not getting married today. You can cut this if you want, but not getting married today is hands down one of the best songs in that episode, and she blew it. Like I I mean, it is off the hook for her. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. I actually do have some vocal training and I c- could never pull off that song. So she did a great job. Yeah, with she that. said the yeah. only word she could not get out was candle holders. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and if you listen to it because of her, it's part of it is because of her accent, her natural accent. I don't know where she's from. Jama. I'm not sure where she's from, but she has an accent. So Part of it is because of her accent and part of it, I think it's because of the speed of the song. And that's like the worst word to put in when you've sped up like twice where you were before, but 57 candle holders, when you listen to it, she cannot quite get it out. And I think she said they had to redo that part like a zillion times that they just used the best one. <laughs> 57 candle holders. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. saying it fast. It's not very easy. It's that N to D that can't, the endel that you just cannot do that well. Well, I listened to that version of that song before I listened to the the original Broadway company version because it's a really good cover. Oh, it is. Yeah. Let's go. At, well, I, I mean, was gonna. Well, let's go to Britney and Santana. Um, we'll talk about Britney first because we were talking about her in, a minute ago. Heather Morris is a dancer. She's not a vocalist. Um, I, I agree that they gave her a lot of these songs and sometimes I think they gave her more than she might've been able to handle. Um, and a lot of them got overproduced, but you're right. She also gets a lot of things like all of Britney Spears music in general is overproduced. That's yeah. See, so I feel like maybe they give her those songs so they could justifiably overproduce them. I mean, you know, you can't complain a song is overproduced when they do it, if the original's overproduced. Now, at the same time, I don't think she sings much in season three. I don't, she doesn't. I don't think she doesn't. That's yeah. more in season four, I think, but it... it yeah. You know. She sings um, in the Whitney episode, and I think that might be the one of the only... No, nope, she has one of my least favorite... Uh, come on, Bethany, you were here for this. One of my least favorite... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, songs. I, Christmas rapping? Dinosaur. In the prom. Dinosaur. Britney doesn't really get a lot to sing, but she doesn't have a lot to say, and she really doesn't have a lot of story, so... And it really sucks, because she ended up having one of the major twists of the season, which she wasn't graduating. How do you feel about that, Brittany? I don't know. She did get, let's just do a shout out to Girls Run the World. Um, that was oh, good, yeah, yes. That, was, that was great. So Girls Run the World is a perfect example of using Brittany in a good way. Yep. And Dinosaur is not. This rapping is all right. It's not great, but it's okay. But Dinosaur is just a train wreck from start to finish. See, I always, when I think of Christmas wrapping, I always think of Tina and Santana more than anybody else. 
Yeah, really? Because Britney's the one who sings. I know. I didn't say it was logical. <laughs> I guess because I don't have that song, I only ever watch it. So Santana, um, Santana gets more duets and kind of group features than she does solos in this season. Santana had the, you know, her one plot. And then she's just sort of randomly in everybody else's plots, but not really. I was kind of sad. I was kind of sad we didn't get her audition piece. I think that would have been cool. Audition piece for what? West Side Story. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would have liked to have seen what she did. Um, I I like Snarky's note that she gave me when she gave me her notes was... um, Zantana just wants to be gay. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me. I'm gonna pull up her solo list here because I want to see what she's actually singing in here. Oh, her because she's got um, "Santa Baby," which was cut. Uh, I can't have you and "Love You Like a Love Song" were her only solos, but she's got a ton of duets. Uh, "Boy yeah. Like That," "Hit Me with Your Best Shot," "I Kissed a Girl," "We Found Love," "Smooth Criminal," "La Isla Bonita," "I Want to Dance with Somebody," "So Emotional," "Someone Has and Someone Like You," and then "Take My Breath Away." Is Constant Craving uh, considered a, a duet? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's technically well, a group song. This is Santana. Um, Kurt. No, I'm sorry. It's three. It's Santana, Shelby, and then Kurt. Smidge of Kurt. Yeah, that's true. Um, Survivor, I Will Survive at sectionals, which is really yeah. well done. I actually loved that that performance. Yeah, America. I, I think they figured out that Naya has a good voice. Um, and because she's used, she's, uh, there's the trouble tone stuff. Oh, we didn't talk about the trouble tones at all. Um, I suppose we should. <laughs> yeah, they, they, she's got a Whether lot of. Or not you like them as a plot. Yeah. They did a really good job featuring them, giving them good songs, and making Santana and then Mercedes sound good. Yeah. Candyman was good. Ooh, oh, yes, yeah, I love Candyman. 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 Um, America, though, I mean, I'm just looking at that. I mean, she led America. And, I mean, America is not that great for reasons that are not Santana's fault. <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> She's not the problem with that song. Oh, Smooth Criminal. Did you guys say that? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Smooth Criminal is. Up there in like my top five. Smooth Criminal is not my favorite song of the season, but it is like second. I love Smooth Criminal. It it works. It actually probably should not have worked as well as it did. I'm gonna be honest. I think they I think they knew what they were doing. I, yeah, I would agree with Faceover, and I think they. I mean, it is. Uh, I'm gonna get a little inappropriate. It's. Friggin' hot, too. It really is. Okay, so Naya and Grant had some really un... I think unintended sexual tension in that scene. I would argue that I don't think it's unintended. I think they knew what they were doing. It's... Yeah. It's a good thing everyone but the cellist left the room. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, it's one of my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite things to come out of season three. Was well, and then let's, yeah. I mean, I'm, we'll get into Mercedes a little bit, too. We'll add this, tie it in. 
They started doing a lot of stuff with Santana and Mercedes, not just with these duets, but they have some groups numbers with the treble tone stuff. Mm-hmm. But even later in the season, they keep them together. And I think what they realized is that they have these two, they really sound great together. And yeah, I think it's yeah. one of the most powerful duets the yeah. show ever does. It's like they realized what everyone else figured out in early season two with uh, River Deep Mountain High. Even season one. Really they complement each other. Yeah. Their energies work really well together as characters. So a lot of, um, and and it's unfortunate because you've got the Rachel Berry show, you have Kurt being her best gay, and then you have the third tier down is Santana and Mercedes. And um, and a lot of their storylines end up being together because of that. And so we get a lot of their mishmash of their, their songs, so... Santana is not one of my favorite characters um, at all. Uh, and I feel like Mercedes warms me to Santana. When the two of them are together, I can handle Santana a lot better whenever she has Mercedes to compliment her. Santana is such a... You either love her or you hate her. Character. See, and I'm kind of middle ground with her so i'll be obnoxious and like i'm i I mean there's times where i don't particularly like some of the things she's done there's parts in season three where i think she's too much um but overall i like her so I always look forward to everything she does. I with Naya, Naya on her own can be hit and miss. She's got uh, the problem that a lot of pop singers have is that they sh- she sings through her nose instead of from her diaphragm, and um, that sometimes the, the vocal quality isn't always the cleanest. Um, but she is elevated when she is with a stronger vocalist. So she has some Rachel duets in there that sound good. Um, I think, unfortunately, the Britanna, I don't have very many, but sometimes they're a little weaker um, because Heather isn't a strong vocalist. But that's just, but I will say Britanna and duets tend to be entertaining on it visually because they, they do a lot of dancing. And right. So yeah. um, kind of switching gears, then over to Mercedes. Um, Mercedes kind of is one of those characters throughout the series. She kind of gets the same kind of songs, but they always work for her. And her songs that she gets very much, with a few exceptions, are serving her plot. Literally, mm-hmm. she's singing because it fits her storyline. Which is good. I mean, and, and that's kind of a, a little bit different than um, in seasons one and even two. She was like Artie and sang a lot of other people's songs. And just sang because she's mm-hmm. a good vocalist and she didn't have as much. And I think season three, they did give her a little bit more plot-related I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, 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 what Slayer Kitty said, you know, love it or hate it, the Trouble Tones plotline, it did give Mercedes a chance to shine, and I will always appreciate it for that. Whether or not I agree with what they did there, it uh, yeah, it did give them a vehicle to display both Santana, Santana and Mercedes' voices and their talent and ultimately, I mean, that's kind of what matters, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are all directly tied into her plot lines for the season. She had one from the Spanish teacher, too. That was the don't want to lose you. Oh, okay. 
Oh, what about um, It's All Over when she... Well, I don't know if it's her, but it's... Well, that's not... That's a group number because everybody true. eventually comes in and we will never forget the FEM tired meme <laughs> that came out of that. Like, let's, let's talk about that and the fact that, you know, Amber is now nominated for an award for her show. Yes. She is an Olivier nominee. I almost fell off the couch. <laughs> Not that she doesn't deserve it. I just can't believe she got the recognition she deserves. She does. I've always Finally. said... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no. That's all I have. Okay. Um, I was just going to say that I've always thought that with um, Mercedes, I have always thought that she was... I find her personally the most enjoyable female vocalist on the show. Mm-hmm. Her voice is very smooth. And it's very powerful. She she got better. I, you can tell because she actually went out for American Idol, and she did. And she didn't get it to this day. I don't think she will ever let Simon Cowell forget that. Um, but the thing is, she went back and she got trained, and and you can tell, and you can tell that even through the seasons of Glee, she she honed her craft, and she got better. She I mean, not that she was bad at the beginning at all, but like she got better. And it, it's starting to come through here. And she has this thing that she can do that I that that Kurt and Chris Colfer does really well that is lacking in, like, Leah Michelle, um, is that she can <laughs> act really well through her songs. And she shows that emotion through her vocals. I, I personally think it's better than Rachel, but that's just me. Um, so... I'm sure at this point, Rachel and Leah Michelle fans hate me anyway, so I might as well just go the whole way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't really get any, she doesn't really get any, except for, we'll talk about Sam in just a second, but other than that, she doesn't really get any songs with the boys. I think this is, you know, it's interesting, now that I'm thinking of it, this season, it's very boys over here, girls over here. There's not a lot of mixing Mm -hmm. of that. So... Do you, do we so. think that that was on purpose, or is it just an interesting accident of what happened? I think just because you have you have Clay being boys together, and you have Britannia being girls together, and you have the trouble tones over here, and you have the boy groups over here, it just naturally kind of happened that way. I think mm-hmm. so. That's just my two cents. So it's just an interesting outcome of all the other circumstances. I mean, I would agree. I would agree with the whole Mercedes thing. I just, she's, I don't want to just rehash what you said. She's just extremely talented and just Amber is just extremely talented. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to go too far off on this, but you know, she's an incredible dancer too. I mean, she won Dancing with the Stars. You You know, know, honestly, I feel like when I saw Dancing with the Stars, I was like, why was she not doing this on the show? Zach Woodley is an extremely, extremely talented choreographer, and so is um, Brooke. I don't remember her last name. Brooke, what's How did they not know that they had such a good talent with her? Did they know? And just it didn't serve Mercedes' storyline for her to be a dancer, so she wasn't a dancer? I don't know. I don't know. Because... 
or or does her ability to dance did that was that not something they realized that she could do even maybe amber didn't know she how good she was until she went on i don't know if i can think because she in the very first episode she was incredible i mean yes she got bit better as the show went on i'm talking about dancing with the stars here but even in that very first episode, she was incredible. So I don't know. I don't well, know what and with season three, you have this whole storyline of her supposedly. I mean, they started it with season two, which is unfair, but supposedly her being lazy and just being a park and bark. And they, and they the shit that, but yeah. the show did that. They sat her or stood her in the middle of that stage and had her sing. Yeah. And they didn't. Her characterization her. was park and bark. So right. I think they did a disservice to the character a little bit there. Because the actress is clearly way more talented than they were giving the credit care uh, the character credit for. And I wonder, yes. you know what though? I'm going to throw this out there. Um, if this is too mean, let me know. I will cut it. I wonder if part of the reason is they did not want to overshadow Rachel and Leah Michelle. I was actually thinking mm-hmm. the same thing. <laughs> so horrible, but I was thinking the same thing. I don't know that I disagree. I don't know that I 100% agree. But I mean, if somebody like if it like came out and somebody actually said that, I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't know if that's a hundred percent it, or if it's just Ryan Murphy being Ryan. Murphy. Right. It was the same. It might not have been even a conscious choice. It was just more. Yeah. Like, see, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I feel like I don't know if it's a conscious choice or just an unintentional thing. Like with the whole, you know, lots of not a whole lot of crossover between the boys and girls it seems to be a result of various circumstantial things. So maybe that was too. Mm-hmm. I do wish now that the, they had let her dance more because apparently she can tear it up. Um, let's talk about Sam and let uh, Kitty say her little piece about um, Red Solo Cup. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the first thing that I want to know is why this song one of the few, like, I think this may be like three, like the third country song they've ever done or something, or one of three. And it's this song, this absolutely, I mean, no offense to Toby Keith, because I think he's got some good songs, but this song was clearly written just for people to have something to sing while they're drinking. I don't know. I don't know if I would necessarily <laughs> agree with that. Um, I would more. Um, it's very, this is so weird. How, how do I want to say this? It's almost indicative of, um, Sam's story. Like, you know, it's Middletown America and he has that line where other, you know, unlike my home, it is not, uh, not foreclosable or whatever. That's true. I, and I do think that that uh, out of all the things that in that are in that song, that line is a good line. Right. And it's just, I mean, it's, I can see Sam singing, singing and liking a song like that and not be, being about a drinking song, just a fun song that he kind of plays around with because he identifies with a lot of the lyrics. And I think that's possible, but I also remember when this song came out, this was right after somebody had said something about how you knew who Ryan Murphy was mad at because when you would get the script, you see what people were doing. But like, oh, they pissed him off, didn't they? And somebody was like, who did he piss off to get Red Solo Cup as a song to sing? I don't know if I actually agree with that. 
the pop thing. How they had, well, I don't know, because they had to have people. The whole Red Solo Cup was a really, 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 really popular song for Tokyo. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that assessment, but um, I think that it fit. I do think it fits Sam's character. I do think that they took a popular country song and tried to make it work. I, I think that they didn't always know what they were doing with country, which is why they didn't do a lot of it. Um, mm. But Chord has a very country voice, and they rarely yes. use that. And I he think that while I'm... Like, I do like this song, and I don't skip it if it comes on, like, my music or whatever. I don't know if it was the best song they could have done. But I think they did a lot with it that maybe, um, that worked for it. He doesn't really get a whole lot of singing to do the rest of it. I mean, he does have his duet with, um, Mercedes. Mm -hmm. He does sing in The Spanish Mm -hmm. Teacher. And he does that relatively well. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, I mean, this country boy singing Latin is kind of funny, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he does get a lot of the group number. Like, he'll sing with the, the boy bandish stuff. But yeah. um, yeah. Uh, he was, he had a good, he had a part in one of the sectional songs, Man in the Mirror. Yeah. And that was good. But he doesn't have a whole lot that he does. It's mostly just group numbers. I think mm-hmm. it's still because they, they didn't know. I mean, they brought Sam back, but they, wasn't, they weren't sure what to do with him, so he doesn't have much of a plot. So so before we get into Finchel, I want to say something about Mike and Tina, um, who don't really get much to do. But uh, no. they do let... Big shock. Uh, no, Mike got a plot line yeah, for the first yeah. six episodes. Well, Mike got a song. First eight episodes. Yeah, I was going to say, Mike got something to do for once. Um, so, yeah. Raise your hand if you're startled and shocked. But um, I think they tried a little bit more with Mike, but Tina still got the short end of the stick. Um, so now that Harry was a regular cast member at the time, they wanted to give him and Mike something more to do. I mean... If you look at how far his character came from season one, in which I really did think his name was Other Asian for a significant portion of the time. We are now here at season three. It's the beginning of season three. They're going to do a musical. Mike's going to work on the choreography, which was awesome. And then he's going to sing. And I really thought that that was an interesting thing because, I mean, Harry also not necessarily the strongest singer. No, but he, he's got, he's a good dancer. He's enjoyable to watch. And mm. I think that, I mean, Cool is a song that isn't very, there's not a lot melodically oh, going on. There's not a lot vocally, it's not vocally draining. It's it's mm-hmm. a very, and there's not a lot of lyrics to it, to be honest. Well, and they get, um, uh, Mike and Tina get love later on, or L-O-V-E. Um, yeah, and they do really, really good. That. They sound, they sound really, really good together. together. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Tina, I'm looking. She does she even have solo in this stuff? In this, I don't think. She, oh, yeah. yeah okay, she yeah, she does. Solo props. Yeah, we talked about that. Oh, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. Um, she does well with the um, she does a lot of the girl group numbers later on. Um, mm-hmm. and she gets yeah, she gets her. I mean, she's primarily the one who sings ABC, although, I mean, the other ones, yeah. other people oh, yeah. do come in, but most of that is her. Mm-hmm. Although, okay, I actually have something really interesting to say about 
Um, Tina. So Tina and Rachel did a duet with Flashdance. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the wiki page about that, and it was like, it talked about how Rachel was like passing down the torch to Tina. And I was like, okay, but then Tina, like, Season four never got anything. I was like, okay. No, because Blade is Yeah. Um, You know, we talked about this in the props episode. um, And that her solo in props is her imitating Rachel. It's not really Mm -hmm. a Tina solo. It's not something that Tina... It's it's another Rachel solo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... How do I say this the way I want it to be understood? I like Jenna's voice. I think she has a very pretty, um, mm, what's the word I want to use? Typical, I guess. Um, voice average is good. Um, she can, she's she not can a bad singer. She's good. No, she's not bad at all. She's good. Even, I mean, she, she did very well in the waitress things that I saw. Um, because you love me is not a song that she can sing, and she. And just... we actually talked a little bit about that on the pod, the props podcast, because it's definitely a song that they picked out. It's like a song they picked out with Leah in mind, and then said, "Here, Jenna sings." Gave it mm-hmm. to Jenna, and uh-huh. it's and that makes me really upset because I'm like, why couldn't it, if you're gonna give her a solo, which she obviously deserves. She's been as she states, she's one of the original Glee members. She deserves to have times where it's her singing and nobody else can't you give her something that's going to compliment her voice it just it just annoys me but that's my own soapbox and i'll jump down oh that's okay because we just we just went with on that same kind of tangent in the, the props episode yeah we we did spend several minutes discussing why that was not the best song choice and it's not jenna's fault no, I think they, it's like, I don't know if they didn't know what to do with her voice or if they just, what happened, but they just never really seemed to. One of the best things that I think that Tina ever did, um, and it sucks because it's one of those that got cut off, which is I Follow Rivers from season two. Yeah. 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 She sounds good, even though it's uncomfortable to watch. I always enjoy, um, Oh, now the song has just flown out of my head. The one she sings to Blaine. Oh, the one from Jesus Christ Superstar. I don't know how to love him. I don't know how to love him. Yes. And and there are songs she also sounds really good on Hung Up in that. Yeah. uh, In Diva. But I mean, just sometimes I feel like they didn't know what to do with her. And then in that episode, blatantly making her sing a Leah esque song, I felt like did a disservice to Jenna Mm -hmm. and Tina. Mm -hmm. Because it paints her in a light that she can't sing, and she can, but you have to give mm-hmm. her a song that is going to compliment her. Yeah, exactly. Let's try not to dwell on this too much. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's talk about Everybody Pitchel. take a deep. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone meditate for a couple of minutes first. Take a breather. Take a breath. <laughs> uh, um, that's why I do clean last, because this is insane. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Finn first. Finn doesn't have a whole lot to sing. Okay, here's the thing. Something that they seem to realize um, coming out of seasons one and two. Corey didn't have the strongest vocal voice. He got better. I think he did fantastic with... He really put in a lot of effort and worked at it. 
So I will give Corey yeah. a lot of credit. He, no, is he the strongest singer? No, but I like him and I like his voice when they put him on songs that suit him. The the classic rock mm-hmm. is is something that he does a lot. I would even I think that works. He doesn't have a lot of solos in this. Um, even the Finchel duets are not in abundance as they were. Um, they still do a little bit of the lead off for the group songs. Mm-hmm. Um, which mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm glad that changes because that got kind of annoying. Um, uh, but even that is I, not is an abundance. Um, can I tell you a song that surprised me that he actually really worked for me on? Mm-hmm. More than a woman. That song is sung almost completely in falsetto, which is one of the reasons why we couldn't figure out who was singing it. And he did a really good job. It's a really great song. Mm-hmm. It's really think, well done. And I that surprised me. I liked him a lot on Ben. I think he sounded really good on Ben. I know yeah. that's not okay. a solo, but I think he did sound... I, and I it's really... It's really interesting that you bring that up because Ben is also down in his lower register and mm-hmm. it works for him there where it did not work for him in um, the other song. The song that will shall not be named because I cannot think of it right now. The other Michael song? No, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Oh, girls no. Just Want to Have Fun. That's it. Um, it works for him and Ben, I think, then it doesn't work there. See, and I'm, I'm going to be obnoxious and say I don't hundred percent. I, I agree that it was a bad choice of song, but I don't think he sounds that bad on it. Um, I, I think that he does better when they're not. I mean, yeah, the falsetto stuff works great because he's singing falsetto. But when they mm-hmm. give him mm, that mid tenor range, not the high tenor stuff, um, mm-hmm. he does much better. I think that's mm-hmm. that's his like his sweet spot, you know, where he sounds his best. Yes. Uh-huh. So, um, so yeah. Finn kind of ele- to me elevates. He, he does a lot better. But um, let's talk about Rachel. Um, okay, she has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and we'll just be here. I was gonna say we'll be here until you have to go to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, she has eight solos. And uh, one, two, let's see, one, two, three, four of them are in the last four episodes. And they're the same damn song every time. Mm-hmm. That's my two cents. Mm-hmm. There you go. I, I, I mean, mm, I don't know that any there's anything anyone can say. <laughs> I really like Rachel in the first two seasons. Um, and I really like her in the last part of five and in six. Um in three and in four, I just, I can't, I can't with Rachel. I, mm. I respect her as someone who's very talented and I think she works really hard, but I, I just have too many issues with the way that she treats people and the way that she's overused in the, in the, in the show that I can't deal with it. And I feel really bad because I do really care about her a lot. I care about her story and where it's going. Um, I want to like her. Mm-hmm. Um, Maria, I did you have show. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just ask if Maria had an opinion because we're we're getting. I just she's been really quiet and I didn't know if she's like. Oh. oh. Um. Well, I mean, you guys are just. Uh, you guys are saying a lot, and I'm good with that. Okay. Well, I just wanted to like if you disagree, don't feel bad about disagreeing. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I just know I go really crazy negative on um, Rachel sometimes. <laughs> well, and the problem is, is that I'm not always as negative, but Space Orphan winds me up, and then suddenly I'm going on a rant. It's just a bad As we time. learned. It, this yeah. part of it was the series a bad is time. not a good time for Fintel, and it's not a good time for Rachel. She's mm-hmm. just, and that's what I was going to say, I just... I hate to say this, but I I blame the show for that because they just didn't uh, they just didn't do a good job at making Mm-mm. her relatable likeable. and likable. I want to care, but I don't. Talking about it musically, she to just elaborate, but like guys, stop me if I go like on and on. Excuse me, gosh, I'm sorry. On and on and on. She, uh, they found out, they figured out, I'll give her credit for this. You give her a ballad, you give her Celine Dion, she's going to sound really good. You give her Barbara Streisand, she's going to sound really good. Then they started this trend of giving her any kind of ballad, which I, it mm-hmm. is not the greatest choice because then, you know, she doesn't have the pop standard stuff or the Broadway stuff. Now she's just singing sappy pop songs. Mm-hmm. And that is the only thing they give her. So, and then on top of that, I, you know, I, I will say I've never seen Leah in concert and I've never seen Leah on stage. And I would love to see that to have a comparison because I would like to think that she is better on stage or in perform or in concert than she is in front of a camera because I, Oh, go ahead. I think I she saying, is actually. And I, actually I will say seen her. I saw her in spring awakening and she's actually very, very good and works with Jonathan Groff very, very well. Um, she has a lot of stage presence, but I think that's kind of where she shines. I, I was going to say, I think even with, um, even though Glee Live was definitely formatted so that they were their characters, I do think a lot of her stage talent came through. Mm-hmm. Because I know I went and saw that, and you could definitely tell a difference between how she is on film and how she is on the stage. She definitely is someone who plays off the audience, I think, Mm -hmm. a little bit. That's fantastic. Yeah, when you don't, it is a different thing. And when you don't have an audience there to reciprocate with, it can be very difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that with, you know, a TV camera, they're pointed right at your face. And you're, when you're forced to stand there and do the same See, the other thing is they didn't give her a variety of songs. They give her the same yeah. damn song. Um, yeah. and oh, it's time for Leah slash Rachel to sing an emotional ballad and, and bonus points if you cry. It takes away from these moments that really deserve to have those kind of emotions played. For, yeah. for example, in Choke. Like, at this point, she's already done four solos like this. Now that she has one that really means something, it feels yeah, stale. Well, um, uh, Cry? Uh, yeah. That one, I should have been sobbing, right? No. I'm just kind of well, like, Well, and eh. I, I always compare it to, if you take a look at, when we fast forward to season five, and we'll talk about way more about it in season five, when you have real emotion behind it, and you give her Make You Feel My Love when she breaks down singing about Finn, and it's real. Yeah, and that it's, was gut-wrenching. Yeah. It's amazing. But... I mean, I was already crying at that point, but you know, <laughs> I'd already cried like six times. I mean, but you know, so that, so yeah, it, and it is a very stark contrast between the two. 
I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, with Corey, that was such an emotional, not just a, a tonal shift for the show, but like an emotional shift for the right. show. Right. But I think that what I, I guess what I'm saying is that I, I don't want to say Leah's a bad actor because I don't think she is. But like when you have in the last four episodes, these four songs that are doing the same four emotion or the same one emotion and there's no real like you don't care about. I mean, there are people that do, but you don't feel for Rachel the way you're, the writers want you to. It feels stiff and stale, and you get bored, especially because there's no movement on screen. You're basically just stopping the camera and watching her. And that is where my frustrations with her music at the end of the season are. Right, and I would argue that I actually do find Cry emotional. What I can't handle is I Won't Give Up. And Roots Before Branches. I can't. Those two, I'm just done. I don't care anymore. I don't have enough emotion to spare on yours. I'm still too busy dealing with all the other shit over here. Right. Now, on the other hand, I'm kind of doing a 180 here. I'm looking at her duets of the season three, and those are much stronger. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you pair her up and there's more energy to them. There's a bunch of different people that she's paired up with. Um, and, I mean, yeah, there's an abundance. There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 on the top 13, which is insane. But. Only 13? I thought there'd be more. You still get a lot of different variety and a lot of good singers with her. And, and it looks like there's not any Finchel duets in here. Wow. There's not many. There's the. Um, they have a Michael song. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And they do like, like it, they get the leads on a bunch of things, but you have her paired up with all these different people and it keeps it fresh. And they're all different types of songs because they're all for different storylines and it's a lot more fun. And I think she works better when she's paired up with other people. I mean, a boy like that is amazing. They, her and Santana sound really good together. Oh, what did Snark you say about, I'm just not, I'm so like caught up in this vocal performance. I the email that she sent out. Yeah. Because I have it. She said that um, she'd be interested to see what people picked out as the most important songs for each character. Here we go. She said, Mercedes, I, we didn't talk about this. Mercedes is all about love and dreams, and Rachel is about Mooney over Finn. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's not wrong. I knew yeah. I'm going to have to, just as an aside, because we'll talk about um, getting the clean stuff. These keep ending up being more me talking about performances and vocal stuff and like that. I'm wondering after the show is over if people want to get into more of how the songs work within the stories. I mean, because we do touch upon that a little bit here, but we're, I'm, like I said, I'm spending a lot of time talking about performance quality. I wonder if... <laughs> well, see, you know, though, I feel like maybe you just can't separate the two because you could talk about the vocal aspect for a minute or two, but then you really have to talk about the way it's used. And we do that mm-hmm. a lot in the episode, so... I think that we're covering both bases. Yeah, I would agree that you are too. All right. Okay, so All we'll right. get into the, the curtain blind part of it. We'll talk about Blaine first. <laughs> um, but go ahead, Maria, and, and say what you wanted to say about that again. Um, so, I just, in season three, you see a lot of Kurt getting all of the Broadway songs and then Wayne getting all the pop songs. And, like, that changes later. But I definitely wanted to see them do, like, swap of some of the songs. And that would have been interesting. With Blaine, it's interesting. I wonder how much of this was affected because of the mandate from Fox. Um, He does have Mm -hmm. Something's Coming, and um, 
and the Amer- uh, the West Side Story cup tonight and one hand one heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It would have been interesting because you're right. He does do some later on in the series, but Darren has said that he doesn't have Broadway voice. But it, you know, if you look at his stuff in Hedwig, if you give him a rock like musical, he can absolutely shine and. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that they didn't try and utilize that kind of stuff more. I mean, why were there not more songs from Rent or um, Rock of Ages or something? I don't know. I think that um, one of the things, and and you guys might remember from fandom at the time, is the thing with Blaine in season three is he suffers from what we call the human jukebox syndrome. He at some points was just singing because they needed Blaine to sing a song. You know, I, I almost I say because the song will sell. You know what though? Yeah. I'm going to argue that that's actually more so season two than season three. Cause let me, let me say his solos right here. Um, it's not unusual. Something's coming last Friday night. Want to be certain something and then cough syrup fighter. And it's not right, but it's okay. So in the first part of it, his first three solos are in the first four episodes and which is so interesting because he was not available for a lot of that filming because he was filming uh yeah oh god girl most likely that's it um he was doing girl most likely wait a minute i thought he didn't do girl most likely until season four nope that was season three girl most likely was filmed between after glee live before season three but there was a huge hurricane that Mm -hmm. derailed uh what hurricane was that the one that it it messed up a lot of the jersey shore uh that derailed a lot of their filming so the filming ran late and then he was supposed to be in la they were supposed to be done by then yeah, he um, yeah he said that like he's done like he went to LA one day, New York one day, LA one day. He does that now, yeah. man. That kid. Yeah, he's all over. He's thirty now. I shouldn't call him a kid anymore, but you know. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I I wonder because there might not be something. God, why can't I talk? Want want to be starting something is in the Michael episode, and that's when he was getting ready to do Broadway. So he's got these mm-hmm. solos that are all, you know, this is when he's not available to do a lot of filming for plots. And I wonder if, if because they knew Michael was the last episode, they were going to have him and he was going to be off for like a couple episodes. If they purposely tried to put as much Blaine in that episode as they could. So then people wouldn't maybe complain so much when Blaine was gone for an episode or two. Maybe. Yeah. He, but he only has um, bad in Michael as well as the want to be certain something. So, yeah, I remember reading an interview where he was like, "I didn't even think I'd be there for Michael much," and he's in like half the episode. They actually rearranged yeah. their filming schedule so they could get all his stuff done before he had to leave. Yeah. Now, looking at this is where I think it's interesting character wise. If you look at the second half, though, you've got cough syrup fighter. It's not right. It's not okay. I think there's something wrong with playing guys. Oh, the uh, eggs. Really? Oh. <laughs> you think he might be worried about something coming up? I mean, he, he might have some issues. He thinks cough syrup is an inspirational song. <laughs> think he's having trouble communicating with his boyfriend and his brother? No. No. Why would you think that? 
Blaine's not having issues. Hmm. You know, his only duet in the second, I mean, are the two um, big brother duets in the second half of the season. That's interesting. Well, and then he's um, yeah. he's in a large portion of one of the regional songs. Oh, he's he does the fly, um, fly. I believe because that's where we got the infamous mother mother fickle line. <laughs> <laughs> so this, though, interestingly, though, I think that while the warbler songs kind of have their own tone and, and style and purpose on the show Blaine this is the first time we really get Blaine's vocal as himself and it's very angsty it really is because mm-hmm. the first half of the season he's he's either doing stuff that's related to the the musical so it's West Side Story so it's not really Blaine and um or he's doing the fun poppy stuff like last Friday night or Which even is- extra Extraordinary Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's not unusual. And yes. I would even argue that in the first part of the season, he's trying to show. This is getting way meta. You should. This is what we're really here to. for. We are like getting into um, the meta stuff, which is the great stuff. So, in the first part of the season, with his poppy solos um, and all that kind of stuff, he's trying to fit in with New Directions. He's like, look, guys, I can be really good, and look at everything that I can offer to your group. And I well, and be- last Friday nights, we're all upset, so I just thought we'd sing a song and have a good time. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. Look how look how much I can. Me transferring and joining your club was a good idea, and this is how I'm going to prove it. And I can show you and everything that I can do. I, see, and now that you've said that, I feel like it was a sort of subtle fight back to Finn's weird instantaneous dislike of him that came out of nowhere. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, he's, he's, it's just, it's the same, it's not the same exact emotion, but it's the same way that he's trying to prove himself through music as he does at the last part of the the, uh, the season. Only there he's trying to communicate, but he doesn't know how. Exactly. Um, if you look at... And that's really interesting because I've never looked at it that way before. It's more obvious when I'm sitting here looking at the actual list. Because I'm on the wiki page. So. It's, it was a lot harder to see what they were doing episode by episode at the time. Because I remember there's just season three was just... Seasons three and season four held a lot of fandom rage. And it was really hard not to, you know, get in there and like try to talk about the episodes and then everyone's pissed off about something. Name mm-hmm. it. Somebody was pissed off about something. And it was just it was hard to look at something objectively like that, especially week to week. But then when you look at it and you actually think about the songs that he did, you think about the way the storylines go, and that's exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just didn't make sense at the time. No, this is one of those, just in general, I mean, doing this podcast, one of the reasons I'm so glad we started after the show ended is that you take a big step back and you look at these bigger themes and these bigger arcs. And, you know, something that I've always, I mean, I'm not obviously the originator of this thought, um, is that Glee works more consistently on a bigger big picture level than it does detail to detail. Um, Mm, You can see a lot of their arcs. You can see a lot of their overarching themes that they did. 
and what they were doing on a, a major scale. Whereas when it breaks down, when you get into the nitty gritty of it, um, but here you, do, you have, yep, you have this beginning section. You have Blaine being that person that's trying to fit into new directions, that's trying to prove himself, and then you know, when the second half of the season, you get all of this angst because you get Blaine, who who's beginning to be a real character. But also because he's, he's going to be a real boy now, because he is going to be this real character, and his music reflects this. It's it's just heading for trouble and heading for season yeah. four. Mm-hmm. Heading for season four, as it were. And and, yeah. and you know, we just had no idea what we were heading for. But if you think about all of that in his music, then the way that season four begins should come to no shock as any. To, to anyone and and yet I remember we were all just completely blind See and there were people I was reading some older meta and there were people that weren't There were surprised. people who said that they thought it was going to happen but I don't know the, how much attention they really got at the time Um uh, something that really sticks out to me is um is um control which is a, a re- it's a sectional song but I, we, I, we talked about it. It's at a least. really interesting choice of singers mm-hmm. because you have Quinn over here on the one who is desperately trying to put her life back together. She's trying to get her baby back. She thinks it's going to fix all of her problems. And then you have Blaine over here whose life is slowly starting to unravel. Uh, I would argue that it hasn't started to unravel quite yet. I think he's still in the, um, I'm trying to prove something phase. Maybe. It was, it was definitely a transitional moment for him because once you get past this and you start heading into Michael, yeah. which is, mm-hmm. is, is really where his character sort of turn, takes a turn um, for the storyline. I, I can remember in my, like just in my personal experience from senior year, Graduation looked a lot closer on the other side of Christmas, and I kind of feel like that's the way Wayne felt too. Like once Christmas was over, he was like, "Oh my God, Kurt's going to graduate. I'm still going to, and he's going to leave me. What is going to happen?" Uh huh. And it's interesting. I'm looking at some of these uh, um, songs that he sings as um, as a group member. I mean, he's got Love Shack, which is still kind of the, the performer Blaine. Um, and there's the You Should Be Dancing, which is still kind of him holding on to, you know. It was more of a dance number, but it's still part of that performance and, and showmanship. I would say that that's a song that doesn't really serve Blaine as a character and serves the plot. But um, on the other side of that, you've got My Love Is Your Love and Big Girls Don't Cry. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes in with the more, uh, I mean, my love, your love is your love is not really angsty, but that kind of feeling for the second half. It's is emotional just, though. It's not angsty, but there's definitely emotion in, in it. You know what I mean? Like and the whole gist of that song is, is nothing's ever going to come between the two people that the song was talking about. Or in, in this sense, I know they use it as a broad, you know, new directions is always going to be this group and, you know, be forever or whatever but i mean in that sense you know in the actual track it's just Artie mercedes and curtain blaine 
And it, it's really impactful because of that. Both and, and Milo, oh, sorry. Oh, I was probably going to say what you were going to say. Both My Love Is Your Love and Big Girls Don't Cry have actually claimed sections that we did mm-hmm. go over in the, the episodes. Um, but it speaks to their story, even when, I mean, a Dance with Somebody has their story, but Promisaurus doesn't really. But it speaks mm-hmm. to their story. So, And I was, was going to say, and there's a pretty significant clean scene that comes right before my love is your love where they're like you know we've gotten past and i put air quotes around that because they haven't really gotten past anything but we've climbed this hurdle and we're still going to be there for each other so let's go that sing this song together that says we're going to be together and nothing is going to come between us exactly um was there anything i'm going to actually transition to claim and then we'll talk about kurt um, was there anything you guys want to touch upon Blaine story-wise or vocally or whatnot? Um, I guess maybe just really quickly performance-wise, I, I think, you know, I think Darren on the show was one of the top performers. I think he mm-hmm. does a fantastic yeah. job with basically anyone you throw him with. Um, he really only has duets with Rachel, Kurt, and uh, Matt Bomer uh, with Cooper. Um he had that song with Finn that wasn't aired, but it was on the graduation CD. And it's a real album. I, I am just continually bummed, especially with the way that season four did a duet with them, that it would have been really, really interesting to see the season end with that duet, Time of My Life, and then segue into parts of the breakup where oh, it was I never connected that awesome. beginning. The, the two of those would have been really, really amazing bookends to, that they could have done something with. And for whatever reason, Time of My Life did not make it into the episode. Which is really, I always, you know, I can't, I don't know where they would have put it, but I really like it. I think it would have been a really good thing. And I'm, I'm interested to see where their headspace for that song was. Well, it would have been nice because... Um... Like, the season starts with Finn being all, like, pissed off with Blaine. And then yeah. how, like, they sort of, like, make up at the end. Like, that would have been a nice ending to, like, their, yeah, their storyline. It really line. would have. And, and I feel like maybe they recorded it thinking they would use it in the scene. And then they ended up deciding to go back and do something, like, In My Life. Which I really love, In My Life. And I think they have, both those songs have the same kind of emotional resonance. But I still would have liked for them to squeeze time in my life in there because it's not a long song. It's only like it's only like two minutes long. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things. That, well, yeah, we can't go there because yeah. well, we'll yeah. talk about that forever. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we could go into an entire diatribe about roots before branches and how that went on forever. That's only good back yeah. podcast. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. And I'm glad I'm not on that podcast because I would just be raging the entire time. Oh man, you should have been on there for um, as a side tangent for my epic tongue tied, which is why I have not talked. I'm like you guys heard in a, <laughs> in a yeah. So anyway, I hate tongue tied too, but I just you know as another aside, and I promise this will be the last time I talk about it, I, because I was still general audience at this time, and I was watching this, I was watching Goodbye with my roommate, and I wasn't really paying attention to the song, or the, I'm sorry, the time, and so Ruth Before Branch is ended, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's it? That's the end of the episode? What about everything else that you needed to talk about? That's, oh, That's the so end mad. of the episode at the end of the season. Yeah. 
I was. I mean, bad. come on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but we don't have to talk about that. Go back to yeah. playing. Well, everybody. It's so, like everybody. Everyone. 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 <laughs> okay. Um, moving into Clay a little bit, though. Um, they actually don't have a whole lot to do in season three. Surprising. Is anyone shocked? I'm not. Well, they have two duets, which are Perfect and Let It Snow. And Perfect is, I know, people don't seem to like this one, and I love it. Oh, I love it. I mean, in the list of their duets, I think there are other ones that I maybe like a little more. But I do, I, I, I do like it. It is one of my favorite songs that they do. One of my favorite. Yeah. I was just going to say it's one of my favorite, but I also think, like, this is right after the first time. This is this is a point where they, they're not getting a whole lot of songs. Like for season two, there were a lot of songs to fit their relationship, and I think that um, in season three, they don't really have much to sing. You know, as uh, a story as a couple, and and perfect fits the beginning of the season three stuff really, really well. Especially as it comes out of that perfectness, and and as I always say, the second half of season three is is breakup watch because it's all downhill. And, um, and it's it really interesting how they did perfect, and everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, they are perfect! They're perfect! They're the perfect couple!" And my fandom was nothing but like, you know, they're the best boyfriends, and blah blah blah. And then you hit the mid season mark, and it's like, whoa. And I'm looking at this list, and they don't really, they have just little pieces. I mean, there's the Christmas episode, obviously. And then there's Love Shack, which is just kind of this fun thing. And, and but I love it. I know, oh, I yeah. do, too. It's so good. And then they have, like, we, we talked about the, the lines that they have, My Love is Your Love and Big Girls Don't Cry. And then... I don't really count Paradise by the Dashboard Light thing. It was just a couple lines to appease us. But they don't sing, really, in the second half of the season. They sing. Not one together. of my favorite, um, it's not really background, because they are in the foreground, but in um, Saturday Night Gleaver, they do have those little lines to each other in um, More Than a Woman. Okay. I mean, they're not really singing. They're dancing. Yeah. Okay. So the problem I have with more than a woman, as much as I love that scene, is it's not real. It's Finn's fantasy, which that says a lot about Finn right there. (laughs) I'm just saying. But it's Finn's fantasy where he's singing to Rachel. You know, it's not real. I don't really like I'm kind of I might be in the minority here that I don't really have an issue with things that are fantasy versus things that are reality, because you're never going to be able to separate what is actual fantasy from what is actual reality in this show. There's too much gray area. So if it happens, it is glee. Yeah. So, yeah, there is that. I just I feel like that. um, I don't know. I don't know. They didn't really sing on that song too much. They're, Kurt's the only one you can really hear other than Finn. Yeah, that's true. I guess my point is is more so, though, you, you get this one duet, which is called Perfect, which is kind of about them being in this really great place. And it's kind of sad. They don't really have anything together in the second half to kind of balance that out. You just get some angsty solos. So. I think that is, and well, and, and maybe that's the point because you have perfect, which is all about loving each other, or I love you despite whatever you feel like your shortcomings are, you know, because mm-hmm. the line is, You are perfect to me. 
And so then contrast that with dance with somebody where they don't do a duet because they're so disconnected. They're not even singing the same song. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a very good point. Wow, I just went very deep there. (laughs) Which is the point. This is what we're here for. This is what the fun of it is. Like. Okay, first two hours was just kind of just ticking my box. Did you wet in in dance with somebody? I feel like that's why we didn't get one. Yeah, and I, I mean, no, I'm not saying it's it's something that I that we really needed, but I think it does make a lot of sense. And and we do get like the big girls don't cry and my love is your love stuff, but it's very small and minimal. And um, yeah, it's it's fascinating to look at at a, a macro level. Where, yeah, they, they, this is a relationship that's going to be torn apart. And how the music kind of relates to that. Kind of like, you, you, you aren't getting them singing the same numbers. And they're not on the same page. And they won't be for a very long time. In fact, the next duet they get, not counting the Don't Speak Quartet, is not until their Christmas duet um, yeah. of next year. Wow. So. And it's the first time you feel like maybe they're tentatively slowly working their way back into sync with each other. Because then, I mean, and then that's a whole season four music podcast. We could keep going where, you know, um, by the time they hit I do, they are back in sync with each other because that's their next duet. So much so that they're even dancing in sync in that song. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to look at that. As a whole, there. Um, moving sideways from Clay to Kurt. <laughs> How else am I supposed to say? You come up with the segues. <laughs> I loved it. Keep going. You took a two step, and there he was. <laughs> I, leave me alone. I'm tired. No. Um, <laughs> I'm always grumpy. Lisa knows this. Um, <laughs> yes, I just laugh. I know. You should. Don't take me seriously. Um, okay, so we get Kurt, and Kurt's, uh, you know, hmm, I don't know where to start with this. It's um, always interesting musically because Chris has always said that he doesn't want to sing unless it serves the storyline. And so there are very few instances where Kurt as a character is singing just to sing. Right. And there aren't any, his so looking at his solos, he's got and they all are purpose purposeful it i am the greatest star i have nothing not the boy next door and i'll remember so his west side story edition his uh serenade to his boyfriend an apology uh-huh his yep. audition for niata edition and then his goodbye to the glee club which Upon reflection, whether you agree or disagree, ultimately he feels saved his life. And I think when I'm looking at these Kurt solos, I know, I know there are a lot of people out there that wish he would sing so much more, but maybe to me, and maybe this is why I always get the world's worst Kurt fan sticker. Um, this works for me. This is like, it's about his showmanship. It's about the two of them, the I Am The Greatest Star and the Boy Next Door really show off who he is as a performer and how he's growing as a performer. And I have nothing and I'll remember our two very personal numbers mm-hmm. that are about these very personal things. And, and 
I have nothing is really interesting because it lends back to season two's I Want to Hold Your Hand. Where he's singing this completely gut-wrenching ballad in front of the entire Glee Club about something, you know, in this case, it's his implants relationship in season two, it was his dad. And, and, so it's and really in season one, at home, when he does, um, in season one, he has one too, and, and home, when he's saying, oh, yeah, yeah house is at home. home. Oh, yeah. And... And in all of these, he's like, well, and not really in I Have Nothing, but in the first two, he's like pretty much crying in front of everybody. And you don't really get that from Kurt. Like he's like letting down his walls in song or something. And that doesn't happen very often for him. But it also, to me, that makes them very special songs. Like mm-hmm. they went out and they picked purposely good songs for his character that resonate really well with his character. And they stand out. And not to, I mean, like, I, I love the Blaine song. It's not that, but I'm like, look, comparatively to Rachel, who, it, like, I don't know, they just, you know, the well, abundance you know, of them. Oh, go ahead. You also, like, remember the songs that he does because it's just so him and it's so integrated into what he does. Whereas, like, Rachel, you forget which solo she did. Because there's way too many. They all numbers. start to run together after yeah, a while. But then, because like Kurt, there's you so remember, many with the like, same tone. Yeah. yeah. Like Kurt, you remember season one? Like he did the whole thing with like his dad, and like all of them are like very, very like. Distinct. I mean, there's a reason why people still talk about Rose's turn. Right. Yeah. And and it comes back to. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, it goes back to what I was saying about Tina, too. You know, she doesn't get very many solos, and then she gets one, and it just does not work for her. Whereas you compare that to Kurt, where he doesn't get very many solos, but when he does get them, they really work. That's because they they, care about Kurt more than Tina, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, Um, I was also going to say, I have a lot of issues with Kurt's with the use with how they use Kurt in season three and the music is not one of them. So I would agree. My Kurt issues are not musically related. No. I mean, I they love almost never are song. though. And, yeah. and, and uh, that stands to what you're saying. You know, they do like Kurt and I think they do when they do make him sing the, they always want him to shine. The only time I really had an issue with it was in season six, but that's a whole other podcast. So mm-hmm. um, when when Kurt sings, I'm, I welcome any song, any solo that I can get, but I don't, I'm not going to get upset because, especially in season three, if he's not singing. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then I know a lot of people wanted him to sing, like, in the Saturday Night Fever episode or here and I there. Do. And I'm like, while I understand that Chris doesn't want to, I do wonder, it's like, well, geez, come on. You have a man who's naturally in that range. And I feel like they could have put something in there for him. At the same time, the, oh, go ahead, hon. Go ahead. No, 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 Mine is, like, off tangent, so you're good. Oh, okay. Well, we'll come back to it later. When, uh, um, I, I was just going to say about that. I The point of Saturday Night Fever is that the Bee Gees were in their falsetto. So stylistically... Mm-hmm. Having been seeing that high for a bunch of those songs or whatever is stylistically correct. And I think that just I okay. Deep breath. 
Just because Chris can sing that high doesn't mean he needs to be showcased every time there's a song with the high part. That's just something. I don't know. I feel okay, I hear a lot of because I guess I just get frustrated with uh, this again. I am the world's worst Kurt fan. Like to me, it means a lot that he gets these solos that are so important to his character, and also out of respect that Chris doesn't want to sing a lot. Like. I, I, it frustrates me when fandom was like, well, he should sing on this because he can sing high, or he should sing on this because it's because it's a song that Kurt would sing, or whatever. And I'm like, yes, like in season six, I wish he would have sung more than what he did. I mean, I think that was, even though Chris had asked to sing less, it, it felt a little bit egregious. But I just, it's frustrating when I, I'm looking at these and like, I would rather have good story with these characters that have music highlights than just to have an album of his songs. That's my two cents on that. Um, oh, I was going to say, um, like I do love all Kurt's solos, but I do wish that they would have given him some of the lower range things as well. Um, like he got some, I think in season, he, four, season I, know he I think it's season, season five. Six. I think in season five when he, five. he used to sing with like uh, with Elliot, um, and yes. those those were really good for him. So I really they wish were because he, had he actually had the lower one, and they gave Adam Lambert the higher. Well, and even in Chris that. in his his most recent tour press junket, he even said, um, "Why couldn't they just give me a damn male song every once in a while?" Um, yeah. and, I, and this is also kind of going off of your point. They could have integrated him better into the group songs. Now that I think that oh, has yeah. always been an issue of mine too, is mm-hmm. that he was either badly used in group numbers or underused. Now, as it went on, though, they got better at where to put him. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that kind of <laughs> finally kind of wraps it up. Is there anything that you guys want to touch upon? Something that we might have missed, or anything that you're like, oh, I really wanted to mention this. Mm-hmm. I'm just like skimming the list of songs to see. Um, One thing I do want to loosely talk about with Goodbye, and you guys can probably talk more about this too, but I do like the throwback to Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, even though it's a dance number, but Single Ladies comes back and then Bert Hummel rocks it out. Yes. Shout out to Bert. Both of those. Shout out to Bert Hummel. Not every man could pull off a glittery glove and, and Beyonce, but he made it work. Um, coming here at the end, I have one final little thing for you guys. Um, we're going to talk quickly, just uh, mention Ailey's favorite and favorite performance of the season. So who would like to go first? Uh-huh. Kitty, I'm going to pick you because you, you usually are pretty. Go ahead. Uh, so least favorite is going to be Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which is very clearly why, because I went on a rant about it. And then I think my favorite, I might actually have a tie. Uh, it's a tie between Smooth Criminal and Cough Syrup. And I will tell you that Ordinarily, I wouldn't have picked cough syrup, except for every time I go into like my media player and I look at my number of times I've listened to a song. Cough syrup has so many plays that I listen to it just on repeat sometimes. So it's like, well, duh, it's my favorite thing. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll go. 
So um, I actually, I probably should have said this earlier, but I have the most music from season three um, on my iPod because I was in, during season three, during that time period, I was working in an internship in Chicago and I live in St. Louis. So I was on the train two days a week for five hours. Um, And all I did was listen to music that entire time. And I listened to a lot of Glee. So my, I had to go with my favorites that I had listened to the most. And the two are I Have Nothing and Smooth Criminal. Those are the two that I have the most plays on on my iPod. Almost of the entire series. Um, those two. And then my least favorite, I'm going to get so much trouble with this. Um, I don't like Here's to Us. I cannot stand it. You nope. won't get in a lot of trouble for that. Not for me. Anyway. I, there's, it's, it comes at a time when I was just done with Rachel solos. It competitions, as I mentioned earlier, they just bug me the way they're done because I actually did them and I know what they're supposed to look like. And oh, and so that one's way overproduced. What? what? That one's way overproduced. Yeah, and so much of my life was spent hours in uh, like random hotels around the state watching people perform. And I, if I would have seen that, I'd been like, "Well, they're gonna lose," because you don't, you just don't do that. So, and here's to us is just my least favorite song. I was gonna pick a Will song, but I figured that was cheating, so I just went with that one. All right, I'll 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 say my, my least favorite, favorite is somewhere with Rachel Shelby. Um. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, my, my favorite, favorite, I have a tie between Perfect and uh, Paradise by My least favorite always goes back to Dinosaur. I just can't stand that song. <laughs> it's down there in my group of least favorites. It too. is down there. Yeah. It's not. I mean, God bless Heather Morris. She did what she could with it, but it's not a good song to begin with. It's weird. And then pretty much anything Will like, sings in The Spanish Teacher. <laughs> well, yeah. La Cucaracha, anyone? <laughs> Favorite? There, you know, I keep going back to I Have Nothing. Um, there's a lot of great numbers, a lot of things I really like in season three. Uh, vocally, but for me personally, I just I love that song. I love what it says about Kurt, and I love what it says about Kurt and Blaine's relationship. And I always think it's kind of an underrated uh, Kurt solo, and I really love that one. So. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yay! All right, so um, that's kind of wrapping up the episode. Um, I want to thank you guys for sitting here, especially kind of in an unagenda podcast and and making some sense out of it so thank you guys i really appreciate it join us next week when we do the wrap-up wrap-up of season three and it'll be our final episode of the season and have a great sunday night Coming, I don't know what it is, but it is.
Let's go.